0: Ooh, comics! Welcome to Series 2, Episode 1 of Why Comics. I'm Stuart Moraine, and this week I am joined by Damien Edwardson, uh, one half of the Art92 project, uh, creator of the Galaxy Grappling Alliance, co creator of Pre Mortis, and host of the Omen to That podcast. Hello, Damien. Hello. And uh,
1: just in case you hear any strange dripping noises, it's about 1,000 degrees in here today.
0: So <laughs> apologies in advance. That's it, I've had to leave patio door open so if any cars go bombing by i'm afraid you just have to deal with it i can't swelter in it (laughs) yeah
1: i've got i've got this crazy neighbor who um, has this garage door that sounds like a t-rex so (laughs) h was recording a video the other day like just a lovely bird song video and then at the end of it it kind of just goes it's like yeah that's uh that's the t-rex next door
0: To be fair, that's probably the last thing anyone is expecting in that video, so...
1: Hey, to be, well, I thought it was a really good edit, um, but alas, not. You know,
0: that's when so. you just want to cut to that Jeff Goldblum clip when there's just, mummy's very angry. <laughs> <laughs> and then just fade to black.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then someone will point out that T-Rexes didn't make that noise. Yeah. They just rumble,
0: you know, and all that. And you're like, oh, thanks for that. So, yeah, you and know, Velociraptors that. had feathers. Some yeah, they really may well have done, but they look shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. They don't look That's scary. Emu, with it?
1: It's that <laughs> <Jurassic> <laughs> part with Roddle and Emu. Wouldn't have worked, would it? It just wouldn't have worked. Just know. like
0: a glam raptor with a bow on. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: brilliant.
0: I you, it's, just, it's
1: a good idea. And I'm going to write that down. That's
0: it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so I wrote it first. <laughs> Trademarked and copyrighted. Brilliant. <laughs> but yeah other than uh the heat how are things with you they're all right yeah not too bad
1: um i mean obviously as we're recording this we're in the we're in the sort of well i, I still think we're in the middle of the pandemic but the government seems to disagree and is encouraging everyone <laughs> to just go out and party so then uh it's, telling
0: them off for it afterwards
1: <laughs> yeah so it's it's very odd, odd times at the moment but yeah we're doing all right we're doing all right mate we're just cracking on obviously with um art projects comics projects um H has got, you know, loads of uh, pet commissions coming in. So that's keeping her busy. And I'm working on GGA issue too. So, yeah, you just keep in between working from home, which translates to, like, being available 24 hours a day for work. Um,
0: so you, yeah, right. you work from home,
1: you? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. I used to do it sporadically um, before all this. And, and even then, you kind of work longer than you normally would because you felt you needed to justify being at home but now it's just like Phew. i just don't know what day it is that's the problem I don't.
0: yeah no i think a lot of people with if i didn't post up the draw something sunday thing every week people wouldn't have a clue it was sunday <laughs> yeah i'm one of them actually
1: because i see it and i go oh it's sunday it's like you know what i mean nature will be like oh is it <laughs>
0: so uh, yeah
1: appreciate that mate
0: Keep your- I've become the nation's could, alarm clock
1: if you could do one midweek as well like maybe on Thursday so I know I can have a drink tomorrow you know that'd be good <laughs> I'll try not drinking the week which I started before always and it's a good job as
0: well because uh, you know
1: therein lies danger I think at the moment you
0: know Ooh. yeah you don't want to answer a work call Pearson. no
1: not, not again <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> not after last time <laughs> uh, but, but yeah so you've got the kickstarter going for a gga 2 how's that running at the How are you finding right?
1: it? yeah it's going well um last time i did it I only did it for i think it was two weeks um because we we're doing it just before troops actually so i yeah. wanted to get the kickstarter done so i could get the the comic out and then debut it at troops um mm-hmm. so this time i've given it a bit longer given it a month i've started it early. So I'm about sixty percent the way through the book. Yeah. Um which is which is, you know, it's all on track for August. and um, we've made the target already. So, you know, I think we've got about twenty, twenty eight twenty seven, twenty eight days left. So it's yeah, all great. Twenty third of isn't
0: July you know? isn't it then? So yeah. well, that's it and there's there's no events look, looking like there's not gonna be any more events this year. So
1: no, we're doing a couple of online ones. So we we did one um, based in the Netherlands at the weekend. We, had, we were part of an online comic con there, which was quite good. Oh, cool! Um, and we we got into the lakes this year, um, and then that ended up being virtual. <laughs> which was the... Yeah, I know, I'm
0: gutted because Terry Moore was coming over. I was like, this is finally my yeah. chance to meet Terry Moore. I was like, I was gonna, I couldn't get the weekend off, but I was off on the Sunday, so I was just gonna make the long ass drive just to meet him.
1: Yeah, but we. We don't live far from, from the venue. It's it's probably about an hour away, in, you know up the M6, and um, never been because it always clashed with other things. Yeah. Um, and this year we thought, right, you know, we've got we've we're going to have several books. You know, with will have GGA and PM, probably one and two as well. So we thought, you know, we we'll have got we'll some stuff. We're going to have a punt, and we were really really chuffed to get in, and and you know, but I tell you what, they've done a cracking job um, of the online because it's live now. The online clock tower. For all the guests, oh, cool. and stuff. It's, it's really, really smart. You know, they've been fair days. I've got to just just give them a shout out because they've done a brilliant job of it. You know, it does look really good.
0: Yeah, I'm signed up for the Thought Bubble one because I had a table. Yeah, which I've carried over to next year. I'll just have to. return turned us down. turned us down. That's because they let me in. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're not going to top that, guys. So.
1: If I'd have known you were putting in, I wouldn't have bothered. You know what I mean? It saved me like. Hours crafting a an email, you know. To,
0: no, I'm I pretty mean, sure me getting into thought bowl is what caused this whole COVID nineteen thing to kick off. <laughs> it's like the universe has to balance things back out.
1: It was me. I I was in my secret lab one night, and I got turned down for one more convention. And I thought, right, that's it.
0: You're the like, I I Take I the rejection going, as long as Stuart didn't get in. It's like yeah. you fucking what? <laughs> if, I, if I
1: ain't getting in, no fucker's getting in. Do you know what I mean? Unleash the vial. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that, because somebody will probably listen to this and think it's true. Um, I given the crazy... You'll be on the cover
0: of to... the Daily Mail tomorrow.
1: Yeah, probably. Well, yeah. I am
0: everything they detest, so that's quite good no. anyway. I, th- yeah. I think that's a badge of honour, isn't
1: it? I think it's just called being a decent human being, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs>
0: what? You're decent? Ugh. Look at that. <laughs> Indecent at the moment. <laughs> I must admit, I've not done any online cons yet on either side, so I'm not sure... Because I consider doing it for Troops next year, but I think I'm just going to give it the year off and let other people have their time. We were lucky; we got our physical one in. So plus, yeah. I wouldn't really know where to start. So I, if I can't do it properly, I'd rather not do it at all, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, i was so glad we went to Troops. Um, I mean, first of all, so glad that you know we got in. Um, yeah. But now looking back, it's like you know everything's kind of well. I don't. You're think fine I'm to get.
0: Our standards are really low. Thanks.
1: <laughs> they must be, <laughs> do you know. What I mean? Anyone, anyone that's seen my stuff. <laughs> um, but no, it was it was really good though, and I was just so glad we did it because it, I do I do really miss it, you know. I genuinely. I do.
0: I I would have saved the whole I, event more if I'd known it was going to be like this.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, I we realize that we've probably been doing this this kind of distancing stuff for quite a while now, by chance. Yeah. But I miss the con. It's a completely different thing, isn't it? You know, the convention It's and it's I miss meeting other creators and having to, you know, just shoot the shit with people and talking nonsense and having a laugh. And it's it'll be it'll be strange when it comes back because I don't think it's ever going to be quite the same. But it'll be great as well, because even yeah, if
0: I, yeah. I think so it'll still be better than what we've got now. You know, I think people are going to be dubious until there's a vaccine of some kind. So I think the first one post vaccine is going to be epic.
1: Yeah, well, I won't be in it. That that's one thing probably you can guarantee.
0: <laughs> but but yeah, I just like I say, I can't see anything happening the rest of this year or uh, yeah, beginning of next year. I just think it's all going to be too close. Yeah,
1: we've got two left in the book at the moment. Um, there's a wrestling convention at the end that was moved to the end of the year, which obviously with GGA and, and other stuff, we were we've got a table at, But yeah. I'm not sure that's going to happen yet. Um, and the other one. What's the other one? Oh, there was a Ghostbusters anniversary um, convention up in Glasgow. And uh, that was well timed because it was it was around the launch of the film and it was around the launch of this new Ghostbusters art book, which I've managed to get a piece in as well. So we thought, oh, this is this is great. And then it all just kind of went a bit wrong yeah. <laughs> so they moved that to november but i'm not even sure that's going to go ahead yet i mean and, and even if it does you know we're, we're just going to see how it's playing out at the time yeah
0: because, that's it
1: you know i'd rather take a bit of a hit financially than death
0: you know yeah <laughs> no <laughs> that's it and i mean it's more time to work on stuff and So yeah so we'll we'll just see we'll see
1: how it goes you know but yeah, when it when it does come back, I think it'll be just be nice to catch up with people face to face. You know. It's,
0: yeah, I mean, I'd almost take the con element out of it and just have a massive get together with people. It'd be really nice, but and I'm yeah. not a big get together person, but it's just something yeah. about that.
1: It is buzz. You, you're right. You're just a weekend of drink and draw, but just not draw.
0: You know, and then,
1: <laughs> just that, that kind of a creators get together. I think could be pretty, pretty good. That
0: I think it. That's it. You can't beat it for. Anything like that, the small press community, I yeah. don't think there's anything like it. I
1: mean, to switch. be fair, we probably sell 80% of our books to each other anyway, don't we? So, yeah, that's it. So we
0: probably do all right out of it as well. That's it. It's all sales pitch. Nobody likes each other. We're yeah. just pretending because we want you to buy each other's books. And <laughs> then you
1: go, at the state of that? that, are knocking out. Uh, Three pound for that. Hey,
0: it was two quid. Sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I haven't got a return address either. You know. Um so if I can have that after the show, Stuart, just so can get me refund, that'd be quite nice. If you don't mind. See,
0: you've said it now. I can apply that quote to anything I do in the future. <laughs> so my next comment is going to be three pound, just so I can have on the bag three quid for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can have that if you want <laughs> for three quid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, fucking hell. I make comics. I haven't got that kind of money.
1: <laughs> well, we're all millionaires, mate.
0: Of course we are. Yeah. I'm double millionaire. Cause I got the con money as well. So well,
1: exactly. I mean, You know, see, I'm sweltering up in the north where it's unusually hot and sunny, and you're just lying on a yacht in Bermuda, aren't you? If I remember rightly.
0: Monte Carlo, I'm better than Bermuda. Uh, Yeah. Only the classy places. Well, yeah. Real. But anyway, I think we've digressed already. I do apologise. But you know, it's all comics-related, which brings us on to the uh, big question of this episode, which is a Damien. Why comics? Stuart. <laughs> Mind your own business. <laughs>
1: yeah. I have absolutely no idea. No, I was I was thinking about this and, you know, I was listening to quite a few episodes. Um, I, I mean, I listened to the show anyway, but I was catching up on a couple thinking, how did they answer it? What can I nick? And then I realised that most people say the same thing, which is, you know, you ask the question and I've spent every waking hour since then thinking I don't actually know. And And it's true. You know, there isn't one thing um, for me that I think it's comics because A, B or C. For me, it's a a whole um, experience. And I'm talking about a current experience and a historical experience. And it just, it is me. And it sounds really like tossy that. (laughs) But I can punctuate my life by um, several things. I can punctuate it by songs I've heard on the radio. And, and I can remember, you know, they take me to where I was, and I can remember what happened. Um, I can punctuate it by films. You know, I'm, I'm a huge kind of 80s film fan, 70s and 80s, and I can do that, and comics are another one. And and I think that's what it means to me, is it, it actually, it's like little, little sticky tabs through my life timeline, you know. Um, yeah. And it's become more and more prevalent. I think, in the last few weeks while we've been kind of locked down. Because I've been, been doing a bit of a dive into um, the Bronze Age stuff, which was my kind of era, you know, that that kind of 70s through the 80s into the yeah. 90s. But, and I've been kind of picking up, you know, digging through my long boxes and finding some gems in there and realising I was missing an issue and, and tracking it down and, <laughs> and you know, and, and read it, finally reading what happened in you know, the, uh, the, the concluding two-part with the Justice League of America and Starro, you know, um, and things like that. And it's just, I, I realised, I've, I've begin to realise just how important they are to, to my development. Yeah. To to me as a person, you know, a lot of my cultural references come from popular media, like comics and, and films and things. And um, yeah, and I just think it's it's just part of me you know
0: yeah no i'm the same i mean similar to you sort of never had a complete run of anything as a kid you, you kind of got what you could find in the newsagents or if you were lucky and had a comic shop yeah which, which most people didn't at the time i think it was early 90s i think the first comic shop i ever actually found and went into yeah yeah and...
1: it's funny isn't it because i grew up it's like, I really envy people that, um, you know, they used to have, they, they lived near comic shops. And, and, you know, I lived in um, St. Helens growing up. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't, we may have had a comic shop, but I didn't know if it existed, you know, because we didn't have the internet kids and you couldn't just Google things and find out where they were. You know, it's like if, if somebody didn't tell you or you didn't spot it, you didn't know. And the only way you got comics back then for me was, we used to have a new newsag- news agents um, at the top of our road and you know they used to peg them onto a piece of string above <laughs> the counter. They didn't have a spinner rack. And mm-hmm. um, you'd go in and stand, you know, and I was only like probably I'd be what that age, um seven, seven or eight, and I'd stand there looking up, you know, and I'd be pointing saying, Can I have a look at that one, you know, can have a look at that one and and that was that was where I first used to buy comics. Um introduction- they always seemed to
0: put a black line through the dollar price as well, didn't they? Oh yeah.
1: And you'd say, Can you keep me that? And I'll come back and they'd write your name on it. And you're like, Well, I'll be back in ten minutes, you know. (laughs) And you said, Oh. But it's funny because my first comic memory, and I think I've talked about this on another podcast, was um it strangely enough, it was two thousand AD and um looking. And I don't know if I mean some people listening to this may or may not even remember Looking, but it was a kind of T V based magazine. And some of the artwork on it, you know, some of the cover artwork alone is just absolutely to die for. You know, yeah. what I mean, it's just
0: yeah, early nineties. That was oh. every week I bought looking. Yeah. So yeah. my dad had like the Bill and Ted cartoon strip in a uh, comic strip in it, and I might been a Flintstones one. I might be wrong, and there was a couple of others as well based on popular cartoons at the time. Yeah. So so I sort of post the golden age looking, but
1: yeah. It's funny it because it all ended.
0: ended.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I was a bit before you, obviously. Um and you know, so mine were things like, you know, Dick Turpin starring Richard O'Sullivan and things like that, and George and Mildred, you know, all these kinds of things.
0: That's it. They used to uh, Robin A Sherwood one as well, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And there was there was, I was think loads of. The I mean, fall guy used to be in it as well, didn't they? It? Yeah, it was a comic did, strip. They did anything.
1: I mean, if it was on TV
0: I think if it was on ITV and they could get a license to do it as a comic strip, they did it. Or they could get like the American. One. I'm pretty sure they did a mind. I don't know yeah. if they did a minder one in that, or whether that was just in the annuals. But
1: yeah, and the uh, the cover artist though, um, you know, was a and I remember this because I talked about this on a, on another show, and he was an Italian guy um who sort of worked in London. He was called Arnaldo Putsu, and oh my god! I mean, if you Google looking covers from like the 70s and 80s. It unbelievable.
0: You oh know? yeah, we're stunning on unbelievable. this.
1: Unbelievable. And in the interior, you know, some of the some of the artists that worked on the interiors as well were just unbelievable as well. You know, um Arthur Ranson, people like that, you know, they were they were in there. And it's just uh, so it, the the quality of draftsmanship was, was astounding. And even now when you look at them, I mean you can get pages pretty cheap and I, I am tempted sometimes when I look online.
0: To I am I nearly bought a George Mildred one the other day purely mm. because it was just I really liked the art on it. But yeah. It used to be the great thing about the school like tabletop sale things they used to do is like occasionally right. you'd find like a stack of old looking magazines from the seventies and eighties for about a quid. Yeah. Which still know, some... was still a lot of money then. But
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I've still got some annuals. Um I haven't got the mags anymore, but I've still got a few of the annuals.
0: No, I it's like most things, isn't it? You sort of grow out of it. Mm. I don't need this magazine with take that and e 17 on the cover anymore. <laughs> and now I'm like, fuck, I wish I kept them. I know. But I made the mistake yeah. of taking them to school and a load of other kids in my class and looking through them, and then obviously they were cutting out the pictures of Jason Orange and all yeah. that. So when I got them back, they'd been cut by Lux. <laughs> wow. Because even at that age, I was like, I want to keep these nice so I can go back and reread them. Or, you yeah. know, at least in one piece. Yeah. So that was... It's funny
1: because that that was kind of like one of my first um, comic strip memories, as it were. But my first comic memory is 2008, and I know you have a bit of a, a kind of a, you know a, a retreating move from 2008 as a kid, didn't you? Because it used to scare you, did it, it? Scared
0: the shit out of me, yeah.
1: And I used to get it. My dad um, worked down the mine, and so I did. You know, I used to not see a lot of him apart from weekends, to be honest, because we do night shifts and stuff. Yeah. And. Um, Every Saturday morning, I'd I'd get up and he'd he'd buy me a copy of 2000 AD. Every Saturday morning, he'd just be sat there waiting for me. And I remember every week I used to do this. I'd get up, I'd literally get as far as the the comic in the the front room, as it were, which was our posh room that we never used, (laughs) apart from Christmas. And I'd just line the carpet and I'd read it. I'd read it again and I'd go and get washed, have breakfast, and I'd read it again and then I'd start copying the drawings from it um because i just loved it i loved everything about it and you know it, it again i was digging through some old issues like you know really old issues and it's just that feeling the paper the smell of the paper um that beautiful black and i, I call it black and tan or the black and white because the paper was never really white you know yeah and oh god <laughs> It just it absolutely... already
0: looked like it had thirty blocks smoking next to it for about three oh, weeks.
1: No. <laughs> it's beautiful and it's got as it's got older, it's got you know it's got a bit more tanned and it's just it's just astounding. Absolutely astounding. And my, my big regret with um 2008 is because I'd a i had a I had a really good collection, but life circumstances I've had to move around quite a bit. And obviously, you know, um, I couldn't carry twenty, thirty boxes of comics around. So Back in the, I'm um, just trying to think when it would be. Probably late '90s when I had to move down south. I had to offload a load of comics and stuff. And back then, 2000 AD was kind of it had no value, you know. And and I, I got rid of a whole chunk of them. I kept the first, I think the first 11 issues. I kept yeah, and, and a few others. But I got rid of loads, and now I just think, oh, wish I still had them, you know. Cause I used to I used to look after them as well. You know, but hey, you know, you, you read them, you enjoy them. And um, that's, that's, that's kind of the thing of being
0: a kid, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think with me, the thing with 2000 is because I was used to like the Turtles comic based on the mm-hmm. cartoon, that where it's all clean and kind of friendly. And then you look in 2000 AD and it's, it's not scratchy, but it's more realistic, but it's much darker sort of drawing. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's some freaky ass shit in it. <laughs> you're like, there oh, is. Let's judge Death. Yeah,
1: yeah. And things like Skiz and stuff like that. You know, that was was quite disturbing. You know what I mean? And and it was it was it was. I don't know. It was just something about it that that really struck a chord with me. I liked odd stuff as a kid. Yeah. You know, I, I liked because again, it was a different time, and it's probably very uh, incorrect to say so. But you know, we used to have a video shop near us where you could go and you know you could basically rent anything. You know, I was about nine, and the guy would be coming up to me going, hey, have you seen this, mate? And it's like Cannibal Ferox and Cannibal Apocalypse, do you know what I mean?
0: Pornography of like E.T. Y-
1: yeah, <laughs> Not on Betamax as well. Just We had a Betamax, which meant we couldn't get everything. Oh, oh yeah, don't mention E.T. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that went badly wrong. Um, See, Betamax is how I discovered pornography as a child, so. Yeah. That... We had Superman 2 taped off the telly on Betamax, and we were trying to find it one day, and we just didn't know which tape it was on because they were never labelled. So just put one in and it was one of my stepdad's pawns. I was like, this is interesting. The trouble with Betamax was you had to keep your finger on for about three hours to go five minutes back. Aye, aye. (laughs) (laughs) So you couldn't watch for too long, otherwise you'd get rumbled.
1: Yeah. Well, we had um, the the E.T. story with me. I I remember being in this video shop and he used to rent um, Atari computer games as well. The old... uh, Atari 2600 console, you know, the, the the kind of like walnut wood and black. Yeah. That, you know, and so we used to, because those games back then, they were like, this was about 1981, 82, and they were like 30 quid to buy them. <laughs> you know, you could buy a house for not much more than that. And he used to rent them out, you know, and um, I remember going in once and seeing E.T. and thinking, I didn't know E.T. was on video. I was like, I can't believe this, you know, because I really wanted to see it. So I <laughs> rented it, took it home, we all sat down, put it on, and uh, it wasn't E.T. It was <laughs> it was E.T. but it was it was the uh, it was E.T. extra testicle, and it was like a comedy porn film. And uh, I mean, I can still remember my mum. It was quite broad-minded to be fair, you know. But she she kind of uh, she went, don't think this is E.T. Is it? I'm like, it says E.T. on the box, and she went, yeah, I don't think it's. that we're after and it's like that's glowing red you know but
0: uh, there you go you go to we're gonna finish watching it
1: yeah so but that was kind of like my first real comic obsession was 2000 AD and then we 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 ended up having a caravan on the the North Wales coast we used to go to a friend had a caravan and they'd let us go up there for, for holidays in summer and around the coast um it was just full of, like, you know, gift shops and stuff. But they all had spinner racks. All the camp shops had spinner racks full of comics. And they were always DC. They were always DC comics. Like, you very rarely got Marvel, you know. Um, so that's why, to this day, I'm, you know, I mean, I love, love X-Men and stuff. But I'm I'm probably a DC guy at heart. Genuinely. No, I'm the same. And I get met with, you know, many a, a raised eyebrow at that statement. But I can't help
0: it. You know, it's it's that weird thing, isn't it? A lot of people seem to be more remember there being more Marvel stuff. I always remember there being more DC stuff. Obviously, I bought Marvel stuff, but I wasn't aware it was Marvel because Action Force, Transformers, they were all Marvel UK and they used occasionally have a backup story like an Iron Man in the back of Transformers, that sort of thing. Yeah. But it never really clicked to me. I was always aware of DC, Batman, Superman, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And the the first X Men comic I ever saw was um, a, a friend of mine who they used to have a caravan opposite and he was a bit older than us and he was a he was a comic he was in art school and he, he was he was a comic artist and writer at the time, you know, and he was only about probably 17, 18, something like that. And I was probably about eleven or twelve. But because he knew I liked drawing, so I used to sit outside and draw all the time. He just came over and we got chatting and and that was it then, you know. Um and he, he said, Oh, have you ever read this? And he lived in Stoke. And I can remember they had a... Um, they had a brilliant comic shop near them. I think I don't know if it was. I Can't remember what it what it was called. Whether it's called Worlds Apart, but I'm I think I'm conflating that with another shop. But um, they used to have this old comic shop there, and they used to get stuff, and I was so jealous, you know. Yeah. Anyway, he used, to be fair, they when they used to come, we bring copies of X Men, and I'd sit and read them, you know, and and, and all that. Um and yeah and he, and he also just another funny story in that he brought one one weekend um or a couple of weekends but. One time, he brought this this mate of his up who he was in art college with as well, and the three of us just sat around this little kind of uh, caravan table drawing for like a whole weekend solid, just drawing, 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 and talking comics. You know, and they were both older than me, but yeah. just loved it. And they were they really encouraged me to draw. You know, they were like, "You've got to draw." And teaching me, and his mate turned out to be um, Shane Oakley, the uh, the artist who's done some. Brilliant stuff. He did the Albion, yeah. And I mean, he's done, um, you know, this thing called Forbidden Brides with Neil Gaiman a couple of years ago, which I still say is absolutely the the most beautiful gothic book I think I've ever read. You know, um, it's just wonderful. The the artwork's tremendous. And I got in touch with him a few years back and I went, Did you ever come to a caravan site? And do you know, he remembered me as well. He went, I remember you. (laughs) He said, "I remember meeting, and, and you know, said, you were a, you know, you were a good artist for your age." I'm thinking that oh, that didn't last, did it? But you know, and you it's went, just I like, remember you. You still got my
0: X-Men number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, weird, my though, mistake.
1: It? It's weird how things come full circle. Yeah. And, um, you know, and 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 I genuinely do cite them as as the inspiration for me making comics now, because before I met them, and they used to make fanzines and and comics themselves, you know, and photocopy them and print. them, I had no idea that you could make a comic yourself. I just thought it was like you know it's just something you couldn't do, and they they taught me that you can, and yeah, and I, I and I I still credit him to this day, Shane and Chris for for being the the guys that you know that it's their fault people that I turn out the <laughs> stuff I do, but yeah yeah. So my my grew I I kind of grew into like X Men then. I, you know I enjoyed X, but I just couldn't get them, so. You know, the spinner racks were full of things like Justice League and, and stuff like that, you know, and Green Lantern. I remember there's always Green Lantern in there, and I used to pick all these things up and devour them. Never got a run of them, you know. The number of stories that I don't know how they ended. just <laughs> you know. And recently I've been going through the long box and looking at gaps and thinking I never did get to the dinner and, and ordering the odd issue, and I've just... Um, I just done it recently with with the Justice League. I think it's issue one. I think maybe one eight nine and one ninety or 1991 with the uh, the return of Starro, and it's got that beautiful Brian Bolland cover where all the yeah. Justice League got starfish on the faces and stuff, you know. And um, I finally got the second issue of that, and I sat sat in bed the other night and I read them on consecutive nights. And oh, god, talk about a time machine! Oh my, <laughs> Lord. It only took me thirty nine years to find out what happened. And in typical um, you know, kind of DC stories at the time, two pages from the end, it's like it's all a complete and utter disaster. And then they wrap it up in about six panels, you know. <laughs> cool. Oh god. Yeah. And it in a way as well, it kind of spoils you a little bit because sometimes I think comics can be too serious now as well. And it, you know, I mean, and I know we went through that period with and again. I'll talk about a bit later about, you know, the dark night nineteen eighty six, which was a real watershed for me personally yeah. in comics, and I don't think for comics generally. And and there's a difference, I think, between comics going darker and more mature than comics being too serious about themselves.
0: And Yeah, they always had a certain self awareness, didn't they? Yeah. Because I miss the days of the editor box Because that's what you used to have to sort of plug in the gaps You'd have a like slightly Cornerly forced in bit of dialogue Yeah, I mean, This reminds me of that time Where I punched you in the face and then you'd have at the little editor's box in. this happened in Greenland in issue oh. 47 Do you know, Ed. To... And for years I was like who the fuck is Ed
1: Yeah <laughs> And I used to love Thargnote um, You know like in 2018 yeah. Thargnote you know, and they, this happened in issue, blah blah blah. And but the DC ones were worse because they'd reference things that I'd never seen, and I'd be I'd spend hours just mulling it over, thinking, what happens? What's it? What's that mean? What happens in that issue? You know,
0: that's it. inevitably it never lives up to what you have built up in your head. No, no. But yeah, that but... was the beauty. I think that's part of the reason why, you know, for better or worse, a lot of us are so creative now is because we were forced to fill in the gaps ourselves.
1: Yeah. And you started
0: thinking in a storytelling sort of way.
1: And I used to do that. I used to draw conclusions to stories myself, you know, because I didn't know how things ended. So one of the things that I would do sometimes as a kid would I would actually sit down and, you know, with a bit of like um, paper and I'd start drawing what I think happened as the second part of the story or whatever. Yeah, Um, I used to
0: do something similar with those big, when your dad would bring home a big ream of printer paper, you know, the stuff that was yeah. perforated with the dots along the edge. <laughs> Just yeah. I had that shit, like, spread all out across the floor.
1: Well, I don't know what I used to get. I used to get some stuff on a roll, and I don't know where it came from. Um, but I think I think my dad knew someone who worked. Um, I think he worked in the post office or something. And it used to come with this, like, and it was, like, big rolls of paper. It was probably about A4, kind of, wide. Yeah. Just rolls of it. And one side, it was really shiny. And you couldn't draw on. And the other side was kind of quite matte. And you could draw on that. And I used to... I just had rolls of that. And I used to just draw on it and cut it off and draw on it. But, you
0: know... Yeah, my granddad used to bring me, like, till roll size ones. It wasn't... Well, it might have been till roll from then, kind of thing. But it was blank on both sides. But, yeah, like you say, shiny on one side. Yeah. And,
1: you know, even now when I dig through, like, you know, I've still got some old folders with, like... Old artwork I've done of you know found one the other day of um oh what was the the Mutt. Do you remember the dog Dinomutt?
0: Yeah.
1: And a drawing of that you know and, and stuff and and that's on that paper that kind of and I just thought bloody hell you know still don't know what the paper was you know probably highly toxic now so yeah. <laughs> Probably made with you know <laughs> something. That, it's got you twitching your sleep, but yeah, that's why I've got three arms. <laughs> the third <testicle>. Not bragging. <laughs> So yeah, so then then that that descended then into um, you know picking things up from the spinner rack and um and me really getting into comics then as a kid I loved them you know I used to and my I mean my comic book hero um, from the kind of the states side is Batman you know I am yeah. a bad I mean no apologies for being a, a, a bat fan at all and I no agree, I think can, we're
0: fans know, of similar era of Batman as well. Yeah. You know,
1: I mean, I'm talking... I'm not talking Batman with a moustache riding a horse and, (laughs) you know, with a pregnant wife and all this other stuff, you know. Um, I'm talking, you know, Gene Cole and Neil Adams and the the legend that is Jim Aparo, Batman, that kind of era. You know, Denny O'Neill stuff and that. It's just, oh, God. You know, That
0: late 70s to around Nightfall sort of time is my golden period about that. Oh,
1: you know, I... Detective Comics, I think, if I, if somebody said to me, what's the greatest comic series you've ever read? And it wouldn't, it would be Detective
0: Comics. Um, so I always liked Legends of the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like Venom was in that. I think Colt was in that. Um, it was just nice little three, yeah. four issue mini arts kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that, like the many deaths of Batman, I loved that as a kid. And again, that was one I was missing the middle of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I've still missing um, <laughs> part two of that. I was I was looking it up the other day. You know the one where, and I can I can remember the cover because it, it burns burns me to think about it. It's the cover with the it's like it's, in the morgue
0: with Commissioner Yeah, the all goal, the Batman like, it? Yep,
1: yeah, and that's the one. I'm, I'm in fact I've made a note. I'm going to track it down after this. That was uh, one of the
0: first Batman ones I read in UK yeah. reprint. Wow, because obviously the Burton movie had come out not long before, so it was that early '90s period between Batman and Batman Returns. Oh, and it's just fucking. I used to read the daily strips because I think the Daily Express used to. read It must have been the Express, because it a small paper my dad bought. I used right. to print the Batman daily strips. Right. When the movie came out, so I used to read those. Yeah. And then, yeah, many deaths of Batman. I was like, "Fuck! How many times did they kill Batman?" And yeah. I'd always forgotten until I reread them recently. That first issue has no dialogue in it whatsoever. I've not read it
1: for years. I'm. I'm going to when I get this this missing issue, I'm going to read the arc again. But yeah.
0: But, it's it's all done without any dialogue in it at all wow unbelievable it's, it's really good and i think that's probably why it registered so well with me as a kid yeah because it was this dark story i mean it's not dark by adult context but as a child kind of thing yeah and it was just beautiful art i love that blue and gray batman mm-hmm.
1: oh yeah and and do you know what i mean i was talking about this on um, another pod as well when i was talking about death in the family i went on tony's pod and yeah and I chose that because I I just love that stuff. And then again, yeah, that's, that's, kind of that's very... what reminded
0: me about uh, many deaths of Batman. I've yeah. like, gotta fucking dig that out. I can't believe I still don't own it. There yeah. must be a trade or something.
1: And there's um ten nights of the beast as well, which is a yeah. brilliant little arc as well. That's that's mad. That it's crackers, um, but brilliant stuff. You know, and and it's funny, but I Batman really does. It sounds really daft this, but it really does mean a lot to me as a as a symbol. Of my childhood and growing yeah. up, and that that sort of grey bat suit with the blue cape and cowl—that's oh, never been. You know, I mean, I, when did it turn into a black, you know, kind of navy seal? Ah,
0: oh, you know, it it's was just... around ninety-five, I think. I'm sure after Nightfall, it was Dick Grayson for a bit, yeah. And then Bruce Wayne came back and he had the all-black suit, so it must have been around the time of Batman Forever, yeah. Because well, I never that's... liked that, because I was like, he's a fucking ninja, he doesn't need the body armour. No. That's what bothers me with the Batman suit now, is it's very kind of... I get, the, you know, the, the top's Cavalier, maybe.
1: Because that was yeah. the whole Frank
0: Miller thing about having the yellow circle round on the chest, wasn't it? Because it yeah. gives them something to aim at instead of shooting him in the head.
1: Yeah, but... I mean, I, I must confess, I don't I don't read the Bat books anymore.
0: Um, I don't. I'm.
1: You know, I, I stopped... Ooh. Again, because of family circumstances i mean I ended up kind of not being able to really afford to keep collecting and um, that was at the point when i could start you know mail ordering things because yeah. i was i was earning some money and stuff but um i just couldn't afford to keep doing it and i had to stop and that would probably be again Mid 90s, when I stopped, it was after Nightfall, and, and yeah, all that I fell out like
0: just yeah. after Nightfall and started reading Green Lantern more. And then I did go back into it for a few years before, yeah. New 52 kicked off. And then once they did the Court of Owls thing where they tied the Wayne's murder into oh. a bigger thing, I
1: was like, Why? Was so I'm gonna like get angry that? now because it's like, and it fucking pisses me off this, right? Because I love canon and, and yeah, things I'm a real canon. It's a bit weird, but I love canon and I love canon in, in Star Wars and things like that. I get disproportionately excited, at little nods to things. But when DC and the whole universe, I can't, I don't know what's going on anymore. You know, I'm not that old, but, you know, I'm, I'm in me, me sort of mid to late 40s, but I I can't fucking follow any of it. I don't know. You know, and it's like, hang on a minute. How is he back from the dead? I mean the, the, the mortal sin for me was when they brought you know Jason Todd back. Because that, that story meant so much. To... Yeah, no,
0: I completely agree. That whole thing smacked her, because it was a bluff in and hush, wasn't it? Yeah. Because he wasn't actually Jason Todd, but you were made to believe he was Jason Todd. And I yeah. think that went over so well and set like the early internet on fire that they were like, Fuck, maybe we should bring back Jason Todd.
1: Yeah. And it just like that
0: that did it for me when I, I read about that.
1: And I just Because I must
0: this... admit, I was what? Fourteen, fifteen. When I read Death in the Family, and that devastated me. Yeah, it's like fuck. They killed him because it's so heartbreakingly done as well. Because yes. he thinks he's going to get out. I and can re- sort yeah. of got that look of joy on his face, and then it blows up. Well,
1: I have to- talked about this because he, you know, I mean, the whole Jason Todd thing for people that didn't weren't around at the time is that you know he, he kind of he was particularly disliked because he was following. Dick Grayson, which you kind of think, well, that's that's a tough gig for real Bat fans
0: back then to swallow. Yeah, anyway, and he, and he was a gobby little shite,
1: <laughs> and he was, and he set up that way, and then they tried to kind of, um, you know, make him a bit more human, but it didn't work. So then they just started up in the ante, and he, you know, he starts getting a bit more and more kind of dangerous, and positively kind of, you know, like just downright lunatic at sometimes. And you could see it wasn't going to end well, and but they did this uh, this story out where you got to phone in about whether he lived or died and you know the, that famous story that they had two issues of um two copies of issue 3 where he lives or dies you know and you know they, they he ended up getting
0: killed uh, That's as it, a result. very narrow margin wasn't it in the end yeah it was i, I
1: did have the numbers written down somewhere because I, I did a piece on it but i can't remember but it was like it was a very small number and apparently 6 hours before the um The sort of the final toll, as it were, he was in the lead quite a bit to live, and then there's this story about one guy that set his his phone to dial every you know sort of thirty seconds, and I don't know if it's bat law or whatever, but you know they were saying that there's one guy who claimed he'd he'd set he'd rigged up this system so it would just keep ringing the dial line, you know what I mean? It was like it's like fifty cents a call as well, you know? they, They made a lot of money on it.
0: I know it's not a real child, but you're still voting for the death of a child at the end of the day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got to be honest. Um, I was actually quite pleased that they killed him because I just thought this is a game changer to yeah,
0: Batman. It, it, yeah, You know, it this,
1: and it, it really did, and it shocked me because I, I kind of always thought, um, yeah, he won't die, they'll they'll do something to keep it going. But um when they did kill him, it was just, just thought, Jesus, this is so monumental now in the world of batman and 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 the other thing with that that story arc as well is that it's the first time i became really aware of canon in comics yeah and it's kind of like it's a weird one this because dark knight returns um came out before death in the family and there's there's a there's a panel in there where obviously batman's in the back cave looking at this shrine of robin and it's just his kind of his suit and his, his mask and stuff and you know and he, he infers about what happened to Robin and as you know and and I remember sitting there thinking what the fuck, what, what happens here what's what's happened here and and then you know the whole thing then comes around to um, Killing Joke which was again um, released prior to to the death in the family arc and there's the the infamous scene where the Joker shoots uh, Barbara Gordon and paralyzes her. And one of the opening panels within Death in the Family makes reference to Killing Joke, makes reference to, you know, uh, one of the goons, Joker's goons, saying, well, I don't think the bat guy is going to be too happy seeing you after what you did to, to, you know, Gordon's daughter. And I just thought, and honestly, that just blew my mind, that. Yeah. I was just like, holy shit, this is talking about a completely different book. Because I had no concept of of books. You know, you just assumed that these were stories told in other you know, like a different kind of view of, of a story. I didn't think it was all one one canon. And arguably, that's been shot to shit now. Thanks, DC. Yeah, but again, that would be time... the other
0: thing that I'd argue should never have been undone because you yeah. finally had a positive disabled character. Not, yeah. you know, but it was you, actually know, you, more useful. you had a disabled character that was a superhero.
1: Yeah, and they, they they made her actually more, and I don't mean useful in a way, you know, she wasn't useful. Yeah. What I mean is that they actually made her a better character. Because yeah. she, rel- you know, she her real superpower was her intelligence and and stuff, and they just ruined it. But that that's the first time that I, I saw something and I was like, shit, you know. And I can still remember. I mean, to think about it now; I'm getting quite excited mm. just thinking about it because I can still remember the feeling of reading it and going, hang on a minute, that that refers to something else, and that just freaked me right out, freaked me out. And so that whole, whole kind of era of batman and and you know when we got to 1989 um with the tim burton that summer with i mean because i'll just say now that michael keaton is is the best batman we've ever had on the big screen and you can argue but you're wrong he is just he is batman and i mean recently the news that that batman you know he may be reprising the role and as much as i don't really want to see flashpoints it'll be a it'll be a shit show i'd watch it if he's in it you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: man? I mean, that's it. I'm dubious. I'm not... It's well known. I'm not a massive fan of the DCEU, as they call it. Um, particularly the Snyder films, the Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, um, yeah. Suicide Squad, that sort of thing. But yeah, you start dangling Michael Keaton in front of me. If they do it well, as long as they don't do it, and it's either a throwaway thing, or they just horribly fuck it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got to be in it. Like, properly in it. I don't yeah. mean, you know, Piers with 30 seconds in a cameo. He's yeah, and, and I hope they
0: don't do it like, you know, he's a twisted, bitter, evil Batman there as well, because that's not where I want my Batman to go.
1: No, and I'd rather they don't do it if they're going to do that.
0: Um, yeah, there's nothing worse than bringing a beloved character back to be like, yeah, he turned into a dick. So, no. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Which, ironically, you know, he kind of does in Dark Knight Returns, but I like that. You know, that was another one of those moments that that... You know that that, that summer of '86 comics-wise was just yes. insane. What a fucking insane year that was! And um, Dark I returns. I just adore that book. And yes, you know, it's problematic now. There's this things, but hey, there's we've talked about this before the show. Where we? there's you can find problematic issues in most things, particularly of that '70s and '80s era. But you know, if you if you read things from the context of when they were created, and and you don't overlay modern sensibilities on it. You know, that is a tremendous piece of work, Dark Knight Returns. And it is, you know, it reinvented the genre. It Did re- you
0: discover it in 86 or, yeah. or you know, around the time? You came? See, because yeah. for me, I discovered it later and I, it's never really had the same impact on me as it had for other people. Mm. I think, like I've said before on other things, I think for me, it wasn't what I was looking for in a Batman Superman story at the time, mm. kind of thing. So yeah, I, I I've that. always yeah. understood the importance of it, but for yeah. me, it's just always been a little bit. <laughs>
1: and do you know what i don't disagree with people who say that um you know i really don't because I, again i am kind of lucky in a way that i can do that i can separate myself from things yeah. i love and 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 go well yeah i could see why you it wouldn't do it for you you know i, I fucking hate when people say well i don't like this so you shouldn't like it and oh, yeah, or, I've got
0: i no time for it and i like, like oh. say i i fully understand why people love it and i whether I like it or not, I 100% understand the cultural impact that it has on comics and the importance of it. And like I said, I wouldn't want to be in a world where it didn't exist because I don't think comics would be where they are or were then in that golden period that I love. Yeah. So, and I absolutely love year one. So it's not, yeah, I I find Frank Miller for me personally hit and miss.
1: I I agree with that. I mean, I love some of his stuff and I've said this before I, I really dislike some other stuff yeah um you know and and i mean i, I loved ronin i don't know if you've ever read ronin the, the series i've read some of ronin yeah. yeah and i mean i love that as well and, and you know but there's other stuff that it, you kind of you know it is hit and miss but then again everybody's hit and miss yeah. you know i i've always maintained that whether it's a musician or you know um an actor or whatever if you love everything they do you don't genuinely appreciate what they do
0: because yeah, everybody no, does some
1: brilliant stuff and everybody does some shit as well. I mean, the Beatles did some wonderful stuff. They did
0: some shit, you know? Yeah. It's usually around the time where they start, people get caught up in their own hype. Frank Miller's yeah. big problem was that nobody start. People stopped saying, I don't think you should do that. Frank, maybe go this way. Yeah. I yeah. I think, I think once Frank got, free reign to do whatever he wants, because anybody who's ever read All-Star Batman and Robin will know that Frank went off the fucking rails.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never read it. Yeah.
0: It's awful. It's like never Batman's it. calling it... Robin a retard and it's like, his parents oh. just died in front of him. You're calling this poor kid a retard. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And he's just he's such a dick in it and he's got this whole ridiculous thing where they've painted this whole bar yellow to trap Green Lantern so Robin can beat the shit out of him.
1: <laughs> right and it's like yeah we'll be, we'll be tracking that down then um, and it's
0: if you've yeah. ever read the script pages for like his description of vicky Vale, where he's like drawer in her panties the guys are gonna fucking you know the n- holy nerds are gonna go crazy for this shit oh, and man. it's like you know what you're doing and you know you're doing it for all the wrong fucking reasons yeah yeah
1: yeah doesn't do it for me doesn't do it, it for is. me mate so uh yeah so i love my i love my old school batman and and i it, it kind of breaks my heart to see where it is now you know don't get me wrong i think artistically it's it's, there's some beautiful stuff being done on on not just batman but on modern
0: comics there's some yeah i'd argue in certain ways comics have never looked better
1: yeah but i think some of the content is and i wouldn't say it's the writing is bad you know i would never go i mean I, i you know we we create comics and yeah you know i don't claim to be either a great artist or a great writer, I create them because I love doing them and I hope other people will enjoy what I've done. But, you know, if I was a professional, um, I certainly would try and ensure I remember that, you know, comics don't need to crawl up their own arse to die by being so serious about themselves because, you know, they're not, they're they're an entertainment medium and whether that entertainment makes you laugh, cry or go, fucking, I didn't expect that, that's the point of it not that it's so you know in on itself that you, you you feel as though you can't break into it and enjoy it and yeah I I don't like, and i don't comics. like films like that either you know there's a lot of yeah. films as well that people go oh this is great this is great 20 minutes in and me and i just like fucking turn this off it's like it's up your own ass. it's like i can't follow it you know i enjoy things that make you think but when i don't know what the fuck's going on <laughs> because it's so clever I just, I'm like, yeah, this it's not for me. This,
0: you know, Look, you just didn't understand Mamma Mia 2. Here we go again. Oh, Joe, don't start with Abba.
1: <laughs> I fucking hate Abba. I do. No, I seriously, I have this real it's... pathological hatred for all things Abba. I think they're the most overrated band ever. They're, a, you know, they did some decent pop songs. And all this stems from my sister, um, had Super Trooper when it came out, and she's, uh, she's four years older than me. And she used to force me to dance <laughs> to Super Trooper. She put yeah. it on the, the record and forced me to dance, and like, and I used to be crying and dancing because I just and I and you know because she had nobody else to dance with. So it was like because I was the younger brother, was the youngest of the family. I, I had like no choice, you know. And um, yeah, and I oh scarred me for life. But I, I, desp- I have to turn them off if they come on. <laughs> Honestly, it drives right
0: obviously I didn't know that when I brought up these deep rooted issues <laughs>
1: okay, no. I'll be getting a load of hate mail off ABBA fans now won't <laughs> but overrated.
0: I think, I think the problem with comics now is the same problem there are with movies, that everybody's trying to build a franchise out of it
1: Yeah.
0: instead of telling good stories it's laying groundwork for other things that will probably never pay off because you won't complete the run
1: Yeah.
0: or you'll reboot it in a, by about issue 40 yeah, so yeah
1: yeah i absolutely agree, and because it's all everybody's trying to play a long game, aren't they yeah and and the way you play a long game is by doing lots of really good short games that people enjoy, yeah. you know in my view, I mean you know I could be wrong but and don't get me wrong though, I mean the exception to the rule I think with that is John Wagner, um, yeah who when you look at the body work he's done with dread over the last forty years and how you know you you reread some of the And and then he'll make a mention of it about 10 years later. And you think, you know, I love that shit. And then
0: I love stuff like that. 40
1: years in, he's making a reference to something. And and you know, and again it's that kind of canon thing where not everyone will get it, but it's not it's not such a blatant reference that everyone will go like, oh, don't understand that now it's ruined it. But it's one of those things that you read it going, hang on a minute, you know, then you'll go through your back issues and it's like, holy shit, you know, it's like these stories have been bubbling under. For like 20, 30, 40 years, and he brings them back, and you just think, I don't know how he does it. You know, I mean that that to me is the sign of someone who's still at the top of the game. I just yeah. think John's a he's a he's a beautiful writer, but oh man, I think you know it, as far as British writers go, he's he's up he's up there in the top three, definitely. You know, I
0: still think the biggest mistake two thousand are making is not letting him do his final dread story. Yeah, I know it doesn't have to be canon; it can be like a. An- two thousand AD equivalent of Else Worlds or like Logan yeah. or whatever. But just let him tell that story. Well
1: they're gonna to have to screw with continued uh, continuity, sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Because, you know, if you look at um, Strontian Dog, you know, which is set in the same sort of um world as, as Dread, you know, the, the atomic war happens in yeah. it's not not that far off now in reality. So they're either gonna to have to wipe everyone out. Yeah. <laughs> Or they're going to have to, you know, sort of, uh, is it retcon where they go back and yeah. you know, always get the two mixed up? They're going to have to do something. So, I mean, I've always this thought that, you know, they could allow John to write, and he may have done it. I don't know. You know, for all we know, there could be a script there about the death of Dredd, but it could be set
0: in the I future. because he did a panel at Leamington that Tony moderated. And yeah, sure I shouldn't he either that said back. in that that he'd written, he'd written it and he had the story and they just won't let him turn it into a comic oh. or that he's at least got the idea there. I just think it's a great shame that they just won't. Like yeah. I say, it doesn't have to be canon. It can just be a curio kind yeah. of thing. If nothing else, people would fucking lap it up. You put it, it out can. in a nice prestige magazine. Yeah. Or, you know, graphic novel. and People would go go shit, wouldn't they? Yeah, they fucking would. I mean, well, I'm not a massive Dread fan, but I'd be I'm, all over
1: that. Oh, God. Imagine. Just imagine. You get Bolland back to draw it as well. Fucking hell. That's it. I'm gonna have to have a, it's a good job I'm sitting down, I tell you. Just <laughs> thought of that. I'm hot already. <laughs> I've got, got sweat on now. <laughs> oh. you ET's twingling. So yes, that, that kind of um, just just coming off Batman then before all the I get accused of being a Bat Boy again. Uh, you know i used to love all the kind of action comics the superman stuff I was a big fan of superman in that same era and i'm just actually going through at the moment um my teen titans collection my new teen titans where i've got i've realized that i'm about five issues off the first 40 run um because i stopped reading it when it became tales of the new teen titans i thought i'd I don't like it now they've changed it. It's weird. It's one of the things you do as a kid, isn't it? And I stopped buying it. So I'm, I'm filling them gaps and I'm going to read through that whole um, arc again. And I'm, I recently filled in a few gaps for uh, the original Crisis and Infinite Earths. So I'm going to read through those as well, you know. See, um, I've
0: never read the complete Crisis on Infinite Earths. I'm always tempted by that set that's like 20 books that make yeah. up the whole Crisis story with all the spin-offs and bubble bits and that. Yeah. It's like 400 quid to buy the Prestige thing. Yeah. I've I mean, just it's a beautiful looking set, but
1: <laughs> Yeah. I just got the original run of twelve, you know, the original mini series, which I'm gonna plow through again. But but um yeah, so I I, I kind of that whole real bronze age era, as it's yeah. called now, you know, is it's my kind of bag really. That's that's where I, I get my rocks off. And even now, you know, you look at the artwork and you look at you know, you look at the inking just alone. I mean, today, obviously, very sadly, we've, we've lost, um, you know, Joe Sinnott, haven't we? Yeah. You know, and again, I can remember looking at, at those old reprints of, of, you know, the sort of uh, Fantastic Four and, and stuff like that. And you just think, you know, the artwork was different, but it was beautiful. You know, and today the artwork may be, you know, you could say maybe better in the sense of some artists are more, possibly more realistic than others, you know. Um, but is it any more beautiful no it's equally as beautiful and no, see, i, not I so appreciate
0: good. that but it doesn't so like i don't need to see the muscles on top of the muscles on batman no. or and superman in particular i've never thought should be particularly muscly i always liked the way he was drawn in that bronze early modern era so yeah. you know up to the return kind of thing where he's, he's muscly but he's not super muscly because yeah. you know the guy's fucking superman
1: <laughs> it doesn't need to be does he
0: No, it could be. That's what I always liked about Spider-Man when they drew him right. When he was literally just a skinny kid. Yeah. Like he had like realistic muscle rather than bulk muscle. But then I suppose sort of that '80s period, you started to get the uh, like Stallone, Schwarzenegger movies, and that's what they started to emulate in the comics. Some of them, and it just seemed to grow from there. But for me, I've always liked that sort of comic booky look. It's like I love Alex Ross's work, but at the same time, it's not comic book art for me.
1: Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I, I'm the same. It's what I, mean, I quite I like about going Boom. back to the
0: Silver Age stuff. Yeah. I love the simplicity of it. It's fairly blocking. He's just got a line across his chest to show his chest muscles. And yeah. One yeah. line down is up for an ab kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And that's hard to do as well. It I mean, is, yeah. That's really hard. People go, oh, it's dead easy. That's like, yeah, all right, you do it then. And make it convincing. Um, I mean, I don't love the overly muscular Batman. You know what I mean? I love a... I love again a kind of, he's a bit looking batman <laughs> if you know what i mean but yeah you can't be a ninja if you can't reach your arm around your back
0: yeah that's it you know it's just not going to work is it and you it. If, if you don't look like you're going to land so quietly on your feet it's like you look at some Batman like we well, could hear him fucking coming yeah there's no that, way you could tiptoe toe across a roof
1: <laughs> and that's the beautiful bit about um going back to the the 89 keaton film um, we straight back onto Batman again. That's a surprise for me. Um, and that, that summer of Batman, if you, if you lived through that 1989 summer of Batman, then well done because that was just insane. That was the most insane, that was Batmania. And
0: oh man, oh me, I said nobody believes me. It was like people getting the bat symbol cut into their heads, yeah, they were, yeah, yeah. It's like you go in the hairdressers and ask for it. I was never allowed it, I was always gutted. I'm glad now, but I hated my parents at the time for being like, no, you can't have a bat symbol shaved into your head. Oh, like, all the other kids have.
1: And and that film holds up. But the thing I like about that I mean, I, I like the uh, uh, Batman Returns as well. See, know? I must
0: admit, I prefer Batman Returns, but I think yeah. that was the first one I saw in the cinema, so it had a bit more impact on me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because um, I was
0: I was ready to hate Tim Burton's Batman because I loved the Adam West TV series. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was looking at it, I was like, that ain't fucking Batman. Batman do not dangle people off a building and threaten them.
1: Yeah. But,
0: and it's like oh, where the man. fuck's Robin? It was good though, wasn't it? But and then and I the, saw it and I fucking loved it. And I used to bit, watch that film once a week. Yeah, the least. bit I loved
1: about it was was talking about the uh, the, the suit. You know, was yeah. the fact that they go, oh look, you can hardly move in it. It's like yeah, exactly. Because in real life, if you were concentrating on having a suit that would stop you getting shot, which he does, then you're not going to be able to move in it. Like a ninja, do you know what I mean? It's like the two things don't work, and it worked perfectly. You know, you look at that kind of almost staccato style of fighting that he has, it's because he has to, you know, just the way he
0: moves, like the way he spins around. Oh, particularly in Batman Returns, when he spins around to watch the zoo exploding at the end, yeah, just the way he moves with that, and it's kind of blocky. I always liked the. Although I'm not a fan of the film, the George Clooney interview where they were interviewing about it, it was a day on set as Batman. He was like, well I managed to turn my head, so that was a pretty big day. <laughs> <laughs> Fair it's like because 'cause yeah. you're like in it and you can't see either side of you. You can just see yeah. pretty much dead ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. But that's the one thing I did like about the Affleck Batman is I did really like that suit and I really liked the way he moved. Yeah. It's probably the closest I've seen to a live action way Batman would move on screen kind of thing.
1: Yeah yeah it's it's funny isn't it because um i never got on with the uh the nolan films just they bore me they just but and again you know beautifully shot don't get me wrong you know um tremendous tremendously visuals but it's too serious for itself you know what i mean and uh, i don't know i just i just think there's there's something more to batman that the, yeah, you know, and some good characters. It's like the greatest Superman movie is Christopher Reeve Superman. Yeah, you know, one hundred percent. Oh god, and the, those. I mean, fourth one maybe is it's dodgy, but the first three, even the third one with Richard Pryor, who I love as well. You yeah, know? the third when one's I, a
0: Richard Pryor movie with Superman in it. That, yeah, again, that terrified me as a kid when she gets sucked into that computer.
1: Yeah. Oh god, yeah, yeah, and the fact that Richard Pryor didn't have a clue actually what was going on because. <laughs> Completely cooked out. He, I didn't even know he made the film. Apparently, you know, um, which and I love Richard Pryor. I mean, I love know,
0: Richard Pryor as well. And
1: you know, but Christopher Reeve was—you couldn't have cast a better person than Christopher Reeve for Superman. It's just wonderful. The build of him was right, you know, and he, he was a great actor in it as well. You know, he—I've he, never seen Clark Kent Superman portrayed as well as no. as he did it ever. And and yes, you know. Oh look, he's got a curl and no glasses. <gasps> it's Superman, but it's it's just believable, isn't it? You know, it's just he just does it so well. The bumbling, he's just so stumbling. earnest, and it's not
0: oh. it's not in a shitty, corny way. It's just wonderfully. It's you would you genuinely believe in him? Yeah. And like yeah. I say, that that whole bit at the end where he flies past camera and he gives a little smile as he goes. Oh. That's fucking Superman. I know.
1: i remember There's... watching that in the cinema. I got to see it in the cinema. I mean, basically, my me mum and dad used to. Fucking despair because I would I would cut the little photographs of film movie posters that used to be in the local papers. Yeah. I'd cut them out and I'd stick them all around the house, you know what I mean? I used to do the same
0: with the magazine used to get free in the cinema. Yeah. Cut the little posters out and my room was covered in them. It looked like a uh, cinema had like you know thrown up in there.
1: Yeah. And I remember them them taking me my brother and my sister and, and they were being very cryptic saying, What times it start me thinking, What are they on about? you know, and then they're like getting the car kids, you know. And he went and dropped us off at uh, this this little flea pit cinema and we were watching Superman the movie and oh fucking hell. Oh man. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I could I, I just couldn't even now. You 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 watch the guy fly convincingly on screen. And you know, all right, people look at him and you know it's a bit ropey. It's like, yeah, say said- you what, you be my age you know, watching that film in a cinema when that was the height of, like, you know, special effects. And you tell me that you don't fall in love with that film. And it just gets everything right about Superman. You know, it gets the character right. You know, it, it's just everything, isn't it? You know, he's, he's just, it's just
0: brilliant. That's it's it. Just and happy. if you don't get chills on the back of your neck when that opening credits start, and then it hits the thing and Superman appears on the screen, if you're not a mixture of, like, chills and almost in tears at it, yeah, you're pretty much dead inside. But yeah, you, you don't deserve to be there, do you? you right. know, I think you? that's the problem with Superman, though, is I think people overthink it. It was a problem in the yeah. comics for a long time as well, particularly the new 52. I get that there are people who don't like the big blue Boy Scout kind of thing, but that is who Superman is, unfortunately. I mean, he was a dick in the early days. If you ever go back and read some of the early Siegel and Schuster ones. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, the best way to get these buildings repaired is if I knock them all down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoa, 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 Supes.
1: <laughs> yeah. But he did all used to, he did all also used to go after like wife beaters and yeah things like that, didn't he? You know, I mean, it was, it was interesting when you read the story of Superman and how he changed with, with the years, you know, and how they they changed his focus of what he was fighting against, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he obviously has been a bit of a dick. And because I, no. I was a Bat guy, you know, yeah. I've always had this... I, I love Superman. but I've always had this thing that, you know, I'm kind of with Batman that, you know, he can be a bit of a smart ass at times, yeah. Superman. And he's like, you know, yeah, all right, Boy Scout. You know what I mean? And That plays it,
0: really that, well into their relationship. It's it like the Wolverine-Cyclops relationship, isn't yeah, it? It's like it you does. need the other one to...
1: And again, that end of um, Dark Knight Returns when Superman rumbles him. So spoiler if you've never read it, but it's tough shit. You should have read it by now (laughs) where, you know, they think that, you know, Bruce is dead and they're burying him. And there's the funeral. And then Superman just hears the heartbeat and and he, he hears it and he doesn't say anything. And you think, yeah, you know what I mean?
0: Is, yeah, is, that's my one yeah. redeeming thing with Frank Miller with Superman. Because I always felt Frank Miller just doesn't like Superman and doesn't understand Superman. But then there's that one bit. I'm like, oh, maybe there, there's something there. But...
1: Yeah, yeah. Did you read that new um, Miller series, Superman Year One?
0: No, the Superman and Miller's name together just yeah turned I me pick, off instantly.
1: I picked up the first issue and uh, I just couldn't really get on with it. You know, no, like
0: getting... I said, I don't think he understands Superman. I think it's a problem with a lot of writers. Like I say, it's certainly been the problem with the last couple of films. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll give the new Superman on TV, the one who appears in Supergirl, there's some really nice touches with him.
1: Right. I've never seen it. So there's like a
0: bit where he lands in, like the DEO, is what they call it in it. And as he's going through, he's greeting all of the troops he knows by name. I'm like, that's such (laughs) a fucking Superman thing. That is Superman, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That, that he'd take the time, good. he would remember that person's name. So next yeah. time he's seeing, but, oh, you're right, Carlisle's the wife kind of thing. Oh, fucking hell,
1: yeah. No, that's good. I but, like uh, that. I like that. But, uh, yeah, so that's that was my kind of, um, my era, I could say. And and on the British side as well, I, I I used to love, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, a magazine called Warrior that came out.
0: Um, I, I remember Warrior. I don't oh. know whether I ever read it. I used to read. <laughs> battle for action force and then for storm force after that i love warrior
1: love warrior i loved everything about it it was again though i had a patchy collection of it yeah <laughs> uh, you know and i used to have to i used to make my dad take me to comic marts in in manchester and stuff and I'd, I'd try and track down copies and i, I always remember my dad you can imagine my dad he was like you know like x minor and you know, he'd been a bouncer in a holiday camp and things like that, you know what I mean? And then one day we were stood there and he, he stood next to a guy dressed head to toe as Captain Scarlet. And this was before cosplay was a thing. You know, I can just remember my dad looking at this fella going, you all right? And this fella going like, yeah." And I thought, please don't say anything, dad. And he went, nice act. that, like, oh, that's all he said. And I was like, my arse was nipping. And I thought, oh, he's going he's gonna to drag me out of here. But my dad's cool like that. The, I was going to say I, fair I was,
0: play to your dad for taking my dad would never have taken
1: me to anything like that oh he was cool he, he you know he didn't never really understood it all and didn't want to and didn't pretend to and he wasn't one of those that you know, he just knew it was my thing and you know the one thing that um, when my mum was alive you know because my mum died when I was quite young yeah. again, when she was alive the one thing she always taught us was you know you, you just you've got to you've got to do what you want to do you know unless it's yeah. to be a lunatic homicidal maniac obviously but you know, if you've got a dream and you want it, you should you should go for it. And they always encourage me to draw and to do art things and stuff. And, you know, people say, like, oh, well, you know, what's he going to do for a living? And they're like, well, do whatever he wants. But we hope he does something with art because, you know, I always remember that. And I think that kind of spurred me on. But no, my dad was cool. And he used to take me to these. I'd bug him and go to these conventions and then we'd find them. And then he'd, he'd be bored out of his fucking brain when I am digging through boxes, picking up copies of you know detective for a pound and stuff like that well it wasn't even a pound back then you know um but yeah yeah it's great and and I, i think jesus the things that i'd done that i didn't do like the people that were at these these events you know um i mean i was at one event and i can't i think it was around 85 or 86 and um i met alan moore John Tottenham and Steve Bissett when they were on the Swamp Thing run. Nice. And I've got a signed... I found it in long box. because I thought i lost it. And I found it, and it's a signed issue of number... I think it's number 31 of Saga of Swamp Thing that they all sign. And I can remember getting it. And, and you just think, God... And I can remember artwork, like, you know, 2000 AD artists with artwork for sale for, like, a couple of quid. You know, it's nothing. And you think, Christ, you know... You... Oh. It's just You just... You just wish you could go back sometimes. Not not because I'm not I'm not trying to speculate. I don't want to buy artwork because I want to say, oh, I've got artwork and it's worth six grand. You know, and all that bollocks people do.
0: It's like slapping yeah.
1: comics, isn't it?
0: Oh, you don't know, get me started.
1: Fucking slab you. <laughs> it's like, you know, this is what drives me on about trying to find issues that I want to complete a run is, you know, it's completely fucked up the collecting game for people like me and probably like yourself who just want to buy comics to read them. Yeah. You know, and and read a run of them. And now, you know, all you can find are fucking CGC-graded bullshit. You know, and it's like, everyone's doing their own grading. So you end up ordering a book for, like, you know, that's a, I don't know, very fine plus near mint or whatever. And it doesn't look any different to me than all my
0: books, which I've just read. You know, it's just... I mean, I bag and board all my comics, but that's just to keep them, you know, from getting Just respect them. Because they're an art. They're an art. But full. they're there to be read. I got. Yeah. I got no time for. Sl- it's like I'm on several like comic book selling groups on Facebook and that. And the mm. amount of fuckers that are like, what should I get? What should I buy to get slabbed It's like oh, buy it because you want you to know. read it. It's yeah, like. It I mean, it. my my thing's always been that you know, it's my collection. I'll treat it how I like. Once I'm dead, it's my kids' problem. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: I mean, the only thing I I, I have to do is because I'm obviously working through, and I've got quite a lot of old stuff now, and a lot of it I didn't realise was quite valuable, you know, because I I don't look at it in that sense, so I don't look. At no, it, I don't. Well, I've got a couple worth of worth that are valuable, but when you're scrolling through eBay to find the odd issue, and then you're <laughs> looking, oh, I've got that, and you go, oh, fuck, that's worth like ninety quid. Oh, it's right, right, definitely has that,
0: yeah. you know. <laughs> so
1: I need to make a list for H just so she doesn't get, you know, if I if I die first which is probably inevitable to be fair she's not going to get like ripped off do you know what i mean but yeah i don't i I hate it you know i hate that whole culture of
0: i do and god forbid anything new coming out gets any kind of buzz about it because it's fucking flippers will buy it and fucking sell it for three four five times the price and i fell for it (laughs) i fell for it in the
1: 90s when i was buying you know variant covers of things oh we all did and you know fucking hologram covers of, of X-Men and Wolverine. And actually, the, the standard cover was much nicer, you know. And yeah. I paid like, I don't know, you might have paid four quid for something and it's worth four quid today. <laughs> and you're like, well, that was a fucking
0: investment, wasn't it? But the non-variant cover, because so few people bought it, yeah. it was worth the fortune.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's just that whole side of the business and the whole side of the comics collecting. It really, really turns me cold
0: right it, it does i mean we've all done that thing of like certainly early on with my death the superman issue i was like this is going to be worse than the one day so i'm going to make sure i look after that and then after a certain point i was is like that the black bag yeah yeah it's like i'll keep all the bits together nice with it but it's never going to be worth a lot because they printed so many and it's probably not a first printing that i've got anyway <laughs> and do you know what i always remember a, a, a phrase that my mum
1: used to use again strangely. Um, she's quite, she's quite um, when I think back to me, as I'm getting older, I remember conversations we used to have and stuff. She actually quite, she's quite sage <laughs> in her advice. <laughs> the main one being, don't be a dick. Yeah. Just be a nice person. You know, that's all I ask of you. And, I, I, you know, so we try and do that one. Um, but I always remember, we'll talk about something. I remember getting obsessed once because I'd found, um, I'd found a copy of a comic on a newsstand. And For some reason, I'd got it into my head that if you found one that only had the US price on it, that it was worth more money. Yeah, I don't know why, and I don't know where I got this from. This is before was...
0: it's a weird thing with collectors that they're not yeah. interested in pence copies, even though pence copies are generally first printing and so in theory yeah. should be worth more.
1: Don't care, you know, but again, I don't
0: give a shit. <laughs> and I,
1: I think I got a bit, and I remember saying, oh, I want that, and my mum's going, Well, that one's that's a bit battered. Why don't you get the other one? That's nice. And I'm like, oh no, because this one's going to be worth more. And I remember my mum saying, everything is only worth what it means to you. Yeah. And I remember thinking, fuck it. And I've taken that with me as I've got all. And thought, you know, you're right. So because someone tells me that this book is worth, you know, if I keep it in pristine condition and never read it. You know, and heaven forbid I ever break the spine or anything, you know, it could be worth loads of money. And It's like, actually, it's worth what it means to me. And if me reading its death, because I fucking love it, and it takes me back to my childhood, which, you know, to be fair, sometimes we could all do with doing a little bit just to get out of today. Um, it's worth more than anyone could ever pay me. And, that's it. I
0: mean, you know, that's I, the wonderful thing about comics is they're a beautiful time machine. Yeah. I've got yeah. much more value out of one that's probably worth considerably less than I paid for it when I first bought it at cover price. Mm-hmm. But the opening it up and the smell hitting my face and it's just I'm instantly back on my bedroom floor. Yeah, reading it, rereading it, drawing from it, rereading it again, yeah. getting the next issue, rereading that and then that one, getting the one that came before and reading the three again.
1: Yeah, and it was like a fucking um,
0: treasure hunt, wasn't it?
1: Oh, I it was trying to, trying to find a back issue.
0: You oh, you like I mean, Indiana but, Jones.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, people people don't realise how accessible comics are, which is a shame because, you know, they are accessible, but they're not because they're now, you know, because this whole fucking grading shit, Yeah, they're now probably more expensive than they should be in most cases.
0: Well, and it's one, one of those things, the, isn't it, where collectors, yeah. and I'm using quotation marks, have fucking ruined it. Yeah. It's, it's like, like people but, buy figures and keep them in the box. So
1: yeah. what's the point? Yeah, it's like people who buy like fucking artwork, and and then just want to tell you how much the artwork's worth, and you're yeah. not selling. You know what's the fucking point of that? You know, I, I've I've got some bits of artwork, and I now and then I'll put them on, but I put them on because I know other people like me will look at it and go, oh, that's beautiful. Look at the ink that's on it. that. Do you know what I mean? You know, that's I've got it. a piece of Jim Aparo work from a detective comic that I bought years nice. ago, and and. It's not got Batman in it, but it's a beautiful panel, um, yeah. a beautiful page. Sorry, and and you look at the ink and oh god, it's just it's it's just stunning, and you know I just love it, but it's not because it's worth anything to me. It's worth more money than people could pay me. Yeah, and same you know I've got Steve Dillon page and things like that and some drawings by and again it's the same, um, but it's not. It's everything's about money and, and it's like. You know, there's no fucking money in it if you're a creator. You know, there's only money in it if you're a collector. And and even then, one day, the bottom's going to drop out of the market big time. It,
0: it is. It's like speculators are ruining collecting. It makes collecting very stressful as well. Yeah. When like, I just want to read the comic. I don't want to have to pay 70 quid for it because such and such made their first appearance in, like, one panel at the end.
1: Amazing Spider-Man 300, right? All right, yeah. book. It's okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not the greatest book in the world. It's not the greatest art in the world. You know, um, but it's it's a decent book, a decent story. Is it worth two hundred and fifty quid? No. no. Is any comic book worth two hundred and fifty quid? The exception of probably something like a you know an X Men or a Detective yeah. Fourteen, whatever. No. You know, and you just see these people who are like, "Oh, I need. I, I want to buy this, and you know, uh, what grading should I get?" And you are like. Just buy a fucking reader copy that you can read. Because that's the point. Because you're buying it in a plastic tomb. So you can't even open it. No, that's the point of that? Probably, no, there could be nothing in it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean?
0: If if you want that, just buy a copy of the cover and whack it in a frame. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Fucking buy it digitally and read it and enjoy it.
0: If you're not going to enjoy it the way it's intended, and you're only going to sit on it, odds are you're never going to sell it until you're absolutely des- potentially absolutely desperate for money. Otherwise, it's just going to be sitting in a box, in a plastic case. Yeah. Occasionally, you'll go through it and go, oh, yeah, I got bought that. That's worth hmm. whatever now. Yeah. And then you'll pop it back in that box, and you'll never look at it again until next time you go to that box. And these mugs paint get the the comic slabbed
1: and graded right. slabbed and all that. And you're like... And it comes back going, oh, it's, a, you know, it's come back as a 4.8. And you're like, well, you've probably paid more than it's worth yeah. now. You know, just to find out that it's a bit battered, really. And I've probably got a copy that's as good, if not in better nick. And you know what? I'm going to take it out of the bag
0: and I'm going to read it.
1: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like...
0: <laughs> and I'm going to look at all those adverts that are in it for like weird peanut butter things and... <laughs>
1: Yeah, and then we never had like, over here. But I, I tell you what, I've shown it to H the other day when I was reading this this JLA in bed. It's like there's an insight into our, our world. Okay? <laughs> uh, she's reading these highbrow kind of really intelligent psychological kind of books, that I'm reading Justice League from 1980. <laughs> about, You're like come you know, on, giggling, eat Staro, giggling every time somebody talks about the starfish <laughs> being attacked <laughs> by a starfish, and I'm kind of, hee <laughs> you know, like... but... <laughs> So
0: H is like, did you know that this is a thing really deep stuff you know, did you know that they get star off their face with fire
1: <laughs> but there's an advert in there about how you can grow four inches in height <laughs> now and i was saying to h the other day i'm going like do you reckon that's genuine do you reckon you could there was a it's just, uh, <laughs> we ended up having this like really deep discussion about well what did they do? Because the writing's that small and it. You can't fucking yeah. not not at my age. Fucking no chance.
0: You know, I even had my reading glasses on. I couldn't read it, and so it was it's like, always hidden in with the X-ray glasses. Yeah. It, the... And yeah,
1: it was like no weights, no this, no that. I'll take a picture of it and send it to you, so you can have a look. But it's like you know, basically, it's a bit like you know the 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 Atlas thing, where yeah. it like you no, know, and it'd be like you go from you know this weedy guy on the beach to muscle man, yeah. um, and it but it was growing. You know, within six weeks or something, six to ten weeks, you could grow four inches in height. It's like. How? How is that even possible? And why didn't I do it when I was younger?
0: (laughs) Instead of spending my life being like average height. (laughs) But as a kid, I was sucking into all that shit. It was only the fact it was in America. Otherwise, I probably would have like you know sent off me twenty p and. Oh god, yeah,
1: I'd have been. (laughs) I mean, I used to love those little those ads that had like you know, um, you you could build up points, couldn't you? And you could get like a big track and uh, X ray glasses. Uh, you know, smoke bombs and, and all stuff like that. And I used to, God, I used to love that. The things that you think, oh, I love one of them. Oh, look at that. You know, it was like a spy camera. And it,
0: you know, it it. Like and that. you have to wait three months for it to come, by which time you've forgotten all about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and it was shit when you got yeah. it.
0: <laughs> it's like a cardboard box with a clicker yeah. on it. <laughs>
1: The world's smallest camera. It's that small you can't see it. It's like, so you'd have to destroy it to
0: develop the film that was yeah. inside, but you didn't want to destroy it, so you never knew where there was. In. So it literally probably was just a box with a clicker yeah. on it. <laughs>
1: so I showed that to her. I said, look at this world's smallest spy cam. She went, how do you develop that back in 81? I'm like, well, get back to your serious reading, you. are ruining it.
0: <laughs> so who do I actually need to spy on? <laughs> it's fucking
1: mad, isn't it? <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's what I love about comics, and that's 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 it. Even just going back and looking at these adverts and
0: remembering them, and... Well, I say, it was never about ordering oh, the oh, thing. It was the possibility of the glorious things that could come from owning it, isn't it?
1: And it was like, yeah. And the other thing about you know this thing these days about buy beware, you know, where you go, oh, that's not that's not as advertised. How many fucking comics, particularly from the Silver Age, like, <laughs> basically told you, and even in the Bronze Age. Oh look at this! You know, Batman's turned into a fucking uh, a vampire, and it's like, well, he hasn't, has he? You know, <laughs> not in the story, is it? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, All those
0: misleading like, covers, I absolutely love. They're brilliant, aren't they? Because, and do you know what though? I still. Like, why can. is Batman strangling Robin? You'll find yeah. out inside. It's like, no, I fucking won't. I mean, they go too far.
1: Where you go back in time, and it's things like, you know, oh no, Batman's turned into a zebra. <laughs> you know, and you're like, what the fuck? You know, and even I'm thinking, yeah, I can't be bothered reading that, you know. Uh, but the ones that, that teased you were, you know, is this the end for Batman? And, is you know, and, and you know, or there was like a, a tattered cowl or, you know, he'd be part of Superman's shield. And, and yeah. you'd think, Jesus, what's happened? And then it was like nothing. You know, That's he it. caught he got it caught on the fence. The
0: fence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, he was just pegging the washing out. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh. But th- those covers... I love them. I love them to bits. And I, I even now, I see a cover and I'm a sucker. I'll see it and be like, I've got to track that down and read that. Because I need to know how the cover doesn't tie into the actual story.
0: You know what I mean? And I like again, how they used to play on that in the 90s with the, you'd have like the cover and then it just have the disclaimer on it saying like this scene happens nowhere in this issue. Yeah. <laughs> there was a great Mike Collins flash cover. <laughs> that's the flash starting to run and Aquaman just stood there with his arms folded and it's like the race you've been waiting for, and there's just Aquaman in that really nineties way going, not <laughs> really? And it's got the this scene does not happen in this comic anywhere. And I bought that purely on the joy of the joke of that cover.
1: Yeah. And that's what comics should be. They should they should speak to you on that level of yeah. you have to read it. Either because it. I, you don't absurd. go to a comic to
0: learn shit, do you? No.
1: Although I mean, you, you do if learn if you about do,
0: things. that's a bonus. But my
1: moral compass, I think, has been set quite a bit by by comics over the years. Oh yeah, one
0: hundred percent. I mean, that's one but... of the things I love about Superman. It's why a big reason why I went back to Superman when I became a father. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Was that were you thinking about that before, or did that happen after them? It just sort of happened. I always, as a kid, thought you know, as as much as I love my dad, I was like, I wish I had a dad like Jonathan Kent. <laughs> 'Cause you know, yeah. he was that he was that ideal dad that he supported Clark, but he was firm with Clark kind of thing. And that's what I loved about that era of Superman is that they kept his parents alive for a long time.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, um, I always liked that. And then, like I say, you hit sort of broody teenager where you start wearing black all the time, you like, i really fucking Batman now. Yeah. I'm edgy and shit. It's yeah. <laughs> like, so, you know, there's darker comics than Batman. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Batman's dark brooding i'm gonna sit in this chair and brood (laughs) and then yeah then after that i sort of my comic taste grew i discovered things like too much coffee man that sort of thing yeah yeah the more indie stuff and then hellblazer and that and then i fell in with green lantern i really loved the carl reyner version because he was an artist and i was like i'm an artist too you know i'm not but yeah in my head i was like i like drawings so i can relate to him yeah and then yeah i just sort of drifting in out of things and then once we were having my eldest i sort of started slipping back it's like i want to be like a jonathan kent kind of parent. you yeah. know in reality it's not possible because kids are dicks
1: <laughs> it's probably better than being a bruce wayne kind of father but yeah. you know i'm just
0: building memorial
1: who's it for <laughs> don't worry about
0: it <laughs> i'm off to piss off the court of owls yeah, it's inevitable because <laughs> you know god forbid it's just be a meaningless crime
1: that one, mate. I've because I don't, we don't, we don't have kids, so yeah. um,
0: you know, we chose
1: kind of not to have them. So, um, not you know, nothing yeah. against them, just they didn't fit in our kind of plan, really. But it's interesting that because you do like to think that you would, you would try and go back to that moral center, you know, because we all stray a little bit, you know, yeah. over the years, don't we? You know, not too far, hopefully. although even super landed, at, looking at fucking yeah. Facebook. <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's, it's like
1: Bizarro World, isn't it? But, um,
0: you know... Yeah, that's I, like everybody to... had the chance to have a secret identity and they were all dicks.
1: Yeah. Uh, what did you end up being? Twat man. All right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting.
0: Get in the line um, over there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you do like to kind of hold steady and, you know, I, I do think I would take a lot of... If, if I was a parent, I'd take a lot from that. You know, lessons from, from comic life, really, because there are lessons in there, you know, that, to learn and Firstly, you know, don't let Batman
0: babysit your kids, kids, I think.
1: It's the first one. Uh, and Yeah, it's interesting. My
0: eldest, when he was about eight, drew a picture, and it was Batman, all these graves of Robins. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, Batman's lost another Robin because he's very careless. I was like, you get Batman in a way that a lot of other people who are fucking grown-ups have been reading it for years don't. I love
1: that. That's brilliant. He's still like, got it. how is he still allowed, kids <laughs> oh, that's so good that's so good oh mate that's brilliant that really is brilliant but you're right it's that insight in it yeah you know and again it's that danger that we have about you get yourself so invested that and again we've all done this to a degree that you don't actually see kind of the the, the surface level of the story or the character. Because you're yeah. reading into it too much You know, you read into Every little nuance of the way they look The way they talk, what they say And you're thinking, hmm, now, you know, he said this But I bet he means that And then you're thinking, oh no, he just meant this You know, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking hell And that's that's what you do as a kid And that's what I used to do as a kid, you know And it's it's funny rereading stuff now as an adult With a different lens You know, you try and keep it I try and read it, again, very kind of um <sighs> How can I say? I try and read it like a child. Yeah. As much as I don't try and overlay any anything I know on top of it, you know, Um I just read it in the context it was written if I can, and and I, I enjoy it that way. I enjoy it more that way than than anything else.
0: Well, so but, yeah. that was like when I did that episode of Tony's Pod, where we did Man of Steel. It's like I read it in two ways. I read it in the way that I first read it and absolutely loved it, but you. I think if I was reading it now for the first time, I can also recognize that it's clunky as fuck. Yeah. And there's a lot of problems with it, kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is sort like of more where Tony came from it. But I was just kind of, but just for the pure impact it had on me and what it means to me, I will love it forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, but, that's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. No, it's, it's interesting that. It yeah, fascinates me how different people interpret comics and stuff. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm sometimes I, th- I think I'm thick because I'll read a book, I'll read a comic, and I'll think I enjoyed that. It's good that it was a really good comic. You know, I enjoyed the story. The characters were great. Really enjoyed it. And then I'll see someone else with you online talking about the you other know, the fucking metaphysical language of, <laughs> and I'm thinking oh, I didn't get that. You know, and all, oh, and it's, it's it's cleverly drawing parallels to the current situation, and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't get that either. <laughs> you know, I just enjoyed it for what it was, and maybe that's maybe that's the one thing I try and hold on to a little bit because the world is is shit enough as it is at yeah. times and tough enough as an adult. And you know, I think if you if you read into everything too much, you will take the fun out of it.
0: That's it. Sometimes you just want to read a comic because you want to escape and there's no better escape than a comic.
1: That's true. It's true. It's the same with films, isn't it? You know, people yeah. do it with films where they read into films, you know, they go, oh, everything's a fucking allegory for Christ and all that. And you're like, oh, for God's sake. You know, I mean, as a, as a you know, fine, upstanding kind of... um non-religious person you know it's like oh was it oh, right. well it He's... gets
0: to the point with that where that's more <laughs> fucking stupid to say than just being like yeah and then he punched the guy in the face it's like yeah well that was an allegory for when christ it's like fuck oh, it's not underlying yeah. religion to everything it's like that's that's what's really boring now yeah. like i say i get that some comics probably when they're written are done on that deeper level yeah that you should get but at the same time you just sound like such a tedious twat
1: Yeah, and if it's like
0: the wanker at your university, that's like, well, what you don't understand about the Beatles is that it's like, fuck uh, off.
1: No, it's like
0: you've read something in a book and you're regurgitating it as your own. Exactly. I've got much more time for somebody who's like, I read it because I fucking loved it. That bit where he did that was so fucking exciting. (laughs) Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely, absolutely.
0: I'd much rather have the conversation with that guy than the guy's like, and then of course this is actually a reference to uh, Nostradamus, and it's like, piss off.
1: It's funny as well because, you know, I mean, obviously I did recently did the podcast on, like, kind of old-school wrestling. Yeah. And, you know, because I love old-school. I mean, I don't really watch any modern stuff. I haven't watched it for years. But I do still watch a lot of the old stuff, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of um, go back and just pick things up and that. But, it, again, a bit like comics, it, it it takes me back to certain times in my life and I can remember where it was and, and what happened and stuff. It's, it's a and lot like
0: can... comics. Once it got glossy and there was a sheen on it, it kind of lost its magic.
1: yeah. And it, and funny enough, like comics, it went through its tits and arse stage. Yeah. You know, where it went from being kind of like large and life superheroes, you know, macho man, Hogan, people like that.
0: That's it, barrel-chested to, guys. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and it then moved into some kind of weird kind of, you know, um, tits and arse. Everything yeah. was about, you know women with ridiculously short shorts and getting the you know underwear mat and all that crap and it the comics were exactly the same at the time I and mean, it was a cultural thing you know and there was no reason why they wouldn't tap into it but um just go back to the wrestling bit the thing that annoys me now is that i appreciate it as a you know as a sort of quote unquote sport because you know, and it, uh, yes, it's scripted. Yes, it's predetermined. sorry to spoil that if anybody's not, not you know, sort of up to date on the, the ways of kayfabe, as it were.
0: But, That's why a lot of people hate John Cena, isn't it? Because he's actually shouting the moves out as he's going to do them yeah, in the ring.
1: Which is, you know, but to be fair, it's a brilliant take on, actually, the business. You know, yeah. and I, I kind of quite like him.
0: Well, he's um, made no secret of it. He's like, because he no, doesn't want to be responsible for catching a guy off guard and fucking ruining his life or yeah, killing him.
1: Yeah. And it's always gone on. It's just doing a bit more secretive yeah. about it, you know. But it kind of, you now get these people who, they will pull apart a match from 1983 and go, oh, well, you know, you can see that, you know, he's not really connecting with the elbow. And you're like, oh, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, give it a fucking rest, will you? You know, if you watch some of those matches, I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I love Rowdy Roddy Piper and,
0: you I know,
1: do And it, the guy was a fucking absolute Like In a non-religious way A god for me You know yeah. I I, I regret I re, I mean I saw him wrestle once um, At Manchester years ago And I regret not going when they came round a bit later And he was doing a tour and a talk And I, I, sh- I knew I should have gone And you yeah. think these people are going to be around forever yeah. You know you think they're indestructible It was and, him
0: and Macho Man Randy Savage for me They were oh, the two oh, I oh, fucking yeah. loved
1: same as me, same as me. I mean, my top two are a, a match and they swap places on the, you know, on the, the kind of podium, as it were, really. Yeah. You know, one day it'll be one, one day it'll be the other, but both masters of the craft. But you get people watching going, oh, yeah, you know, but that was a bit like, and you know, oh, fuck off. You know what I mean? It's, you do it then. You take those bumps in a ring. You, you work with fucking, like, under the conditions they work. And I mean, I'm, I, It's a real skill
0: to do that to somebody and not hurt them. Yeah. It'd be easy to do that to somebody and fucking not care whether you broke their back or not.
1: And you do hurt them. And that's the thing, you know, and and they do get hurt and people get hurt. This shit hurts. And H's best friend, her dad, um, was one of my childhood heroes, was (laughs) the amazing kung fu from the British 70s wrestling scene, 70s and 80s. And I didn't know. And then H said, "Oh, you know, one day I've got to talk about wrestling." She said, oh, Do you like wrestling? I wrestle? Oh, I fucking love wrestling. You know, like, you know. And I said, "She loved the British wrestling." She know oh, it was your favorite when it's the amazing country. She's like, "Oh, are you joking?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> she went, "That's like, you know, some sort of dad." I'm like, "You're fucking joking." And she's like, "No, do you want to meet him?" And, oh Jesus, you know, and oh. Uh, and what a lovely guy, you know, Ed, Ed Hamill. Yeah. Beautiful fella. Like, just just a really, really nice guy. But his knees are fucked, his hips are fucked, you know. He's broken oh, bones in his body, you know, and he said he's had to have everything replaced and, you know, arthritis because of all the bumps they take and that. So, no, don't tell me that it's all fake. It isn't fake. It may be predetermined, but yeah. it ain't fake. And, you know, it's it's just again you get people who try to overlay this this modern sensibility onto what they did and you're like oh fucking hell you know just give it a rest you boring bastard yeah just dust me head in. Dust me. sorry it's kind of gone a bit off piece there but you know what i mean well, no because like, i've it's...
0: always thought there's quite a relation between wrestling and comics like i say yeah. you can track it from the era where it all kind of looked like beefy versions of your dad and his mates just having a play fight in the Car park kind of thing, but you know, you didn't realise it was a play fight kind of thing at the time. And I don't mean to Yeah sound like I'm downplaying it with play no, fight, you but mean. you know what I mean. Yeah. But they did, they just looked like your dad's mates from the pubs who'd all fucking yeah. beefed up and were like, Yeah, let's fight. And um yeah, to the point where it's gone all glossy and sheeny and you've got it with comics as well, where they were like barrel chested guys with fairly yeah. realistic looking muscly bodies to like, you know, this is Batman with his twelve abs on top of his eighteen abs on top yeah, of his no. twenty three abs.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he, he's fucking able to do anything he wants, even though he's got no superpowers.
0: Which is that's it. Thing I loved
1: about him. Apart from being a rich. That's it. That was his know, he didn't have any superpowers. What, what I loved about him was that, you know, and he's driven by revenge. You know, he's driven by the loss that he suffered, and he'll never replace it, and he doesn't want that's, other people to suffer that loss. That's, that's all why time. I
0: really hated the Court of Owls thing. It's like It was a senseless crime. It was a random act of violence. There was no underlying thing. It was a mugger who fucking fucked up, basically. Because he didn't go there to kill him. He went there to rob him. But, you know, Thomas Wayne fought back and he ended up killing them both.
1: Now, that's more powerful.
0: Yeah, than finding out that it was a big conspiracy theory to take out the Waynes. It's like, fuck
1: off. And it's more powerful and more scary because that can happen. Yeah. And that does happen. And it happens every day. Random people kill random people. And it's not part of a big fucking, like you say, multinational conspiracy it's just shit that happens and that's, that's
0: why as a kid it's very real that your parents could take a wrong turn and end up fucking dead yeah in front of your eyes but yeah. it's very unrealistic that your parents could take a wrong turn and it turns out it's on the same night that the government or whatever a big conspiracy <laughs> cabal of fucking businesses have gone like you know, i'm gonna take yeah. out that guy who works in the fucking local office yeah. down the road and See, it's, not, never it's not it's not as scary but... yeah i've
1: never read court of alts i've got the um you know the unwrapped version where they've got all yeah. the inks and the pencils except that's beautiful work the artwork's I've, lovely i've that's never the only someone. reason i
0: sort of looked at it but i never yeah. finished it i once i saw that they'd done that with the waynes i was like fuck this
1: yeah i heard about it never read it bought the book to look at the artwork you know um try and learn something because you're always learning aren't you but um never read it it just doesn't doesn't do it for me it's like no
0: i've very much, I don't think you should add anything to an origin story that's also going to take away from it. No. And that takes away more than it adds for me. I mean, yeah. it adds more story to it, but it takes away the impact. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's a problem with comics at the moment, certainly mainstream ones. I think that's why small press is so excited.
1: Oh, God. Do you know what? I'll be honest now, right? It was only because I fell out of comics for a number of years. I fell out of the whole the whole circle. Really. I always kept one eye on it, but you know, again, life, you, you end up just getting trapped in this cycle of working and existing, don't you, sometimes? And, yeah, you know, I, mean, I envy I was
0: buying comics, but I wasn't reading them. I was yeah. just buying them out of a habit, because it's what I did.
1: Yeah, and I envy people that do, do that, though, and even just have that kind of back catalogue now to look back on, but, you know, I think, you know, my my kind of real collecting, I've only got two complete runs, and that's um, Sandman. I've got a complete run of Sandman and Preacher. Nice. And I love, I mean, fucking Preacher, just everything about Preacher. Just you know, absolutely. If I, if somebody said what one series could you take with you, and that's it, it would be Preacher. And I love Sandman. I just find it really difficult sometimes to read. You know, I get yeah. it's too clever, but it's not clever in a oh I'm clever. It's actually just a really fucking good book, and yeah, <laughs> you know, it, and it just you just have to concentrate on it. Um, but I do, love, I do love that Sandman run. And the same as Saga of the Swamp thing, you know. Um, I've started filling in gaps on that because I've got a lot of early issues with that. And again, it's a beautiful book, but it's very, it's, it's hard to read, you know. And I can yeah. see why as a kid, maybe I just read it and didn't quite get it. Um, So I'm looking forward to reading back through that now. But Preacher, oh, Jesus. You know, I can remember um, there was a little comic shop in real it's all records and stuff. And I went up there. I didn't know it was there. And I saw this sign saying comics. I was like, fucking how's a comic shop in real. So I went up and um, I was just flicking through the shelves. And I saw Preacher, the first issue of Preacher. And I just flicked through it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And it just, honestly, it, 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 that was it. I said to Steve, the guy who worked there, I went, right, you know, I've got, to have, I've got to have all these. Just keep them when they come in. And I could only afford to buy them every couple of months because that's a kind of you know i had a shitty job wasn't like, yeah. know, shit, and i was like yeah i'd save up save up save up and then when i had enough i'd go in and buy the run you know so I'd, I'd get like a couple or two or three or whatever it was and then oh god i love that book i
0: love that book i must admit preachers one i've still never dived into i read odd issues but it never really clicked with me at the time yeah you know in that way that you read it's like martial law and then there was another one as well that when i first read it it wasn't the right time for me to be reading it kind of thing
1: yeah, so I yeah. think at
0: some point it's one I do want to dive back into. But
1: I think Warrior did that with a lot of people as well. You know, some of the stories, and like Axel, you know, like Axel you know, Press Button and that, that. If there's one, I always I say if, if somebody said to me, um, "Right, dream job, what do you want to draw? You know, you can draw for a, you can do a comic and you can have the rights to it. What would it be?" And it would be Axel Press Button, Laser Eraser. Nice. I fucking love that. I love that. I fucking love have you ever read any of those?
0: Uh it rings a bell, but oh, not I couldn't tell you a specific oh, story. Oh. I'm sure I have,
1: but I wish they'd do it I wish they'd do a reprint of the black and white, you know, Steve Dillon's work on it. Yeah. Oh God. It just you know and he was about I think the age he was doing this, I think he was about eighteen. When he was drawing those warrior laser eraser issues and, and you're like the fucking artwork man. It's it's just, I was talking to John McRae about name drop, name drop. But I was talking (laughs) to John McRae, you know, because I end up harassing him quite a lot at cons. And he always manages to sell me um, some original artwork, you know. He's an unscrupulous man, uh, (laughs) but he's a lovely guy. You know, he genuinely is, isn't he? And then, you know, obviously he was very close to Steve Dillon and, you know, he he was... when when he, he sadly passed away. Yeah. And he was telling me about, he said, do you know how old he was when he was doing that? I'm like, fucking like, 16 when he was doing this? He was 18. I'm like, you joke?" He's like, no. And then you look it up and you're like, oh my God, he's drawing You know, for Marvel Weekly at 16. You know, the guy was, he was a fucking beast. He was an absolute beast. And he was so consistent. You know, and I was, it's weird because people always say, he was your top three dread artists? And it's really difficult. But it is for me, it's Boll and Dylan and Esquire. Yeah. you know, and, and sometimes they might swap places, but, you know, but then you think you've got people like, you know, McMahon and people like that are equally as wonderful, but yeah, those three for me, but Dylan is just fucking unbelievable.
0: Um, but so, There's just so takes... much that UK stuff that needs to be reprinted. Oh. It just needs Rebellion or somebody to pick it up and do it. It's like um, Stormforce. Yeah. I've forgotten all about Stormforce till Vince started talking about it. Yeah. But, and again, that's something I'd love to see Vince take on Stormforce because he's oh, got yeah. such a passion for it that I'd love to see what he did with it. Because well, I've got so many good memories of reading that as a kid.
1: Yeah, but the original bit before I ended up sidetracking myself, so I do apologise. No, that's fine. Fucking <laughs> random as you've the, heard
0: this podcast, we ramble all over the place.
1: That's what I love about it, though,
0: you know. And it's it's like Which it's is the way conversations well. go, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> they they, they, do, don't they If you do them properly, they do. You know, not scripted. Can you say this now? it's like no fuck off um but yeah and the 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 small the small press scene the the indie scene so i i i'll freely admit until so i dropped out of comics and in fact i didn't i didn't touch studied art art college um had to leave early because um obviously my mum died so then i had to basically just quit college get a job yeah Uh, kept kept drawing for a bit for a couple of years and then stopped and I didn't actually pick up a a, I didn't pick up a pencil or paint it was about 20 years I just didn't do anything and um, it was only few years ago actually it's about probably about four or five years ago when i was going through a bit of a rough patch like you do you know as an adult yeah. things happen don't they i remember being in the doctor and going like you know well, you need a hobby and i'm like oh, i want a fucking hobby and they were like well what do you what do you love doing i don't fucking love anything you know i love my family and that's it and they were like well you, what did you used to do as a kid and i was like i used to like drawing and why don't you do some drawing you know and i was like yeah and i came back and i was talking to her and she's like why don't we do some drawing? Because she's an artist as well. Far more talented than me, as as you'll know. Um, You know, bastard.
0: Um, Ordinarily, I'd stroke your ego, but no, you're right. No,
1: (laughs) no, because I know you were lying, you know. Um, And and we started just painting again. Of course, people who knew us for like 20 years, like fucking hell, didn't know you could. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm any good, but compared to people who can't draw at all, I'm not bad. You know, I, I can do a bit. And they were like, oh, I didn't know you could do that, and I just fell in love with it again, you know. And it it, it completely took me out of um, the hole I was in. I'll be, I'll be honest about that. You
0: know, it lifted. No, I can one hundred percent relate to that.
1: And I think, and I, I do say this, and I don't mean this in a in a really stupid way now, but I do say that. You know, I think it was only really H and, and like my my family. I've got I've got a very small family, and comics that kept me going at that point. You know, I was at that point. Yeah. And they kept me going. And the comics just opened up a whole new world again and drawing again. And then I kind of started looking around thinking, oh, what's out there? And I, I started noticing, like, the indie scene stuff, you know. And then I started listening to Awesome Comics podcast and that. And thinking, wow, you know, those guys have done so much for the... I'm not just saying it because, you know, we're all kind of friends. Well, I like to think we were. Um, you know, but they, they've given so much to the medium. And given so many people a platform. And I started checking out the stuff. And I was fucking amazed. I was amazed, mate. Because independent comics to me and self-published were photocopied, stapled, shitty fucking drawings. That actually, they may be, quote, shitty fucking drawings, but were really fun and I loved them. But now I'm thinking, holy shit. Not only do you still get that really nice, rough, you know what, people would say shitty drawings. And I didn't mean that originally as a derogatory term. I meant that's what people would say about them. And, and now you get this other stuff. We like that's as good as anything that I used to buy from the
0: comic shop. Do you know what I mean? That's and... it. It's, it's the garage band sensibility oh, with the professional finish. Yeah. It's like, especially with so many different printers out there now who can do such a professional looking job on it an affordable price i mean yeah. it's not cheap but if you you don't really care if you love what you've done and you want to get it yeah. out into the world it's like and, you're just happy if you can break even with creating comics i mean yeah. you're happy if like one person picks it up and is like
1: i really enjoyed that do you know what you are and I, I, I say this about any work we do um you know it's like you know conventions will sell comics and will sell original art stuff like that and if somebody likes what you do enough that they want to actually own it you know what i mean
0: that's it, that's the Job win.
1: Job done, isn't it? I mean, what a buzz that is, isn't it? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I've been next to people who've tabled and they're like, oh, it's been a shit day today. You know, and you're thinking like, and I'm like, we've sold three fucking comics for like fucking happy days, you know what I mean? Because if you go there thinking you're going to have it away and, and be a millionaire, you're really in the wrong game. You know, you should get back to slabbing. Cause, that's it. My, you know, my that's attitude with it is
0: t- if, if I cover my petrol costs, then that's awesome. But to be perfectly honest... Most of the cons I do, I don't sell a huge amount, especially when I table with Andy, because everybody buys that fucker's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my table at Nottingham was pretty much Andy's waiting table. People were, like, sort of politely looking at my table while they were waiting no. to get to his. And no. I didn't mind, because I, I fucking love seeing times. him succeed. But yeah. but no. I sold a few books, and I was so fucking excited. And there was one kid who looked at one of the, the March the Robots one.
1: Yeah,
0: And he clearly couldn't afford to buy it, but he looked like he was into it. So I said, just take it. Yeah, I was like, because best case scenario, that kid's like, I really like that. That's going to sit on my shelf for years. Worst yeah. case, he's like, that was shit. I'll chuck it away. Yeah. I'll but as far yeah. as I'm concerned, that's it's like ordering those things from comics. The possibility is always there. I'll never know the reality because I never ordered the fucking camera.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you why. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You never get it developed, mate. But <laughs> the amount of artwork we've given away to people at cons and stuff, you know, because somebody's come up and like you know somebody and their kid and the kids love something and you can see that you know because it's not you know we don't sell like oh are ridiculously priced it's, it's as cheap as we can do. i mean it's still a yeah. piece of artwork so you can't give it all away you know and people are going to pay for it then then great you know but they're not they're not expensive you know but if we've got a, if we've got a drawing there and it's like 10 quid and some kid loves it and hasn't got 10 quid they can fucking have it yeah. you know what i mean because you don't know that that kid could really really like that piece of art it could inspire it to draw Um, that's it that
0: could be the thing that lights the fire for him to create or lights the fire for him to discover other comics or whatever and we've given comics
1: away we've given we've just posted a load of comics out to some friends kids you know because h has done a a kind of um a book about how to draw cats and dogs you know she's done this this thing and you know, and again, we're selling that as cheap as we can. I mean, the postage is more than the fucking book these days. You know what I mean? Yes, that's same. the problem. <laughs> so we have just posted a lot of stuff out to friends and and with kids and without kids, and just said, "Oh, you might enjoy this." You know, and it's like, and they love it. You know, and that that to me is what it's about. And that's the thing about the indie scene and the the self published, the, the the small press is like, I was I was absolutely gobsmacked at like how much was there and just how fucking good it is. And, and just how supportive and
0: encouraging it is, yeah.
1: That was, was going to say how welcome. You know, we come out and it be, you know we've only been doing this now for less than two years, and you know people immediately um, welcomed us in. And you know, I actually never been to a comic convention, um, you know, before then, yeah. and you know, and I hadn't been since the the heady days of you know bumping into Alan Moore, queuing up for a cup of tea. And, you know, not realising who he was until afterwards. <laughs> and things like that. And he was grumpy because I didn't have enough change to pay for... I was buying a coffee and a polystyrene cup and he was huffing and puffing <laughs> behind me because he was, like, waiting. I was thinking, fucking hell, you know. I'm um, right like, oh, mate,
0: who do you think you are? Alan Moore? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> bastard. you bastard. Know yeah, I mean? <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so when we went and we started doing it and then people just so like as i say welcoming and and they embraced us in and and you know yeah you know let's be honest like anything in it there's the odd dick you know they're a bit themselves and you know and all that but but they soon disappear from
0: the scene to be fair
1: well good luck to them as well you know if you've got that level of confidence in your work then good on you because i don't have it you know i have horrible imposter syndrome about everything i
0: do um, um, I'm exactly the same. I, whenever somebody's I thought, like, "Oh, I need to yeah. read a new book," I'm like, oh, "Shit, I won't bother me." <laughs>
1: you talk to Dan and Vince, and they're the same. Yeah, you know, and we're all we're all like that. And I, I like Tony's take on this. That you know, it's like, listen, just fucking do it for yourself, and don't yeah. worry if nobody else likes it. If you're pleased with it enough that you're going to put it out there, that's all that matters. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're right. You know, you're that's it. right. Again,
0: kind of the way I look at it is that somebody looking at it and be like oh, that looks like shit, but if you can do it, I'm going to have a fucking bash and I'll do it properly
1: yeah and that's another reason why I love comics coming back to the original question you know why, why why comics and it's because it is probably one of the most inclusive communities, and I don't use that in a, in a wanky term I mean genuinely yeah an inclusive community where everyone is kind of rooting for everyone else to to do well and yeah one, I can't any other business you get that
0: no because any know. other business would look at it and be like you do know you're encouraging your competition
1: yeah like, yeah you know but like so when i'm retweeting other people and their kickstarters when mine's stalled it's like well i don't care because you know i was asking for fuck all and i've made yeah. it so i can publish my book now which is great uh, and if other people want to jump on great but actually these other people are doing you know like the spark and stuff they're actually doing something as a power of good for people you know go and buy that instead you know, and, and that's what it's about, though. and other people do it, you know, people retweet your stuff, and you're like, oh, you know, thanks for that. And it's just, it's just that that whole sense of all genuinely trying to pull together. Yeah. Because when we've seen this with the with the current situation, you know, the world of comics, and unfortunately, the last week or so has been even more stark with some of the revelations that have yeah. come out. you know that that pro world is can be pretty fucking toxic and. You know, and and I think the future of comics lies with small press. I really think think it it does,
0: because I think, like you say, well, you know, it's pretty toxic and it's run like a business now. It's not run like a creative entity. I mean, it may never have been, but it always seemed to be like you look at the days of Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, that sort of thing. Yeah. They were guys telling their stories kind of thing through Batman, Green Arrow, that sort of thing. Yeah. And now it just kind of feels like, it's like well, you can do that, but it's got to tie in with... We've got the movie coming out, so you need to tie in with that. Of course, it's still running popularly on TV, so you need to tie in with that as well. Yeah. And it's like... At least for small press, it's its own thing. Nobody's got any real expectation. I don't mean that in a... You know, don't even bother trying. Nobody's got any expectation. But everything's a genuine surprise. Yeah.
1: Because you don't know
0: what to expect. It's like Dan with Vanguard. God, yeah. The amount of characters that he like kills and not just for the sake of like, you know, I'm gonna fucking kill somebody today. I mean that might be his thought process, but it doesn't read that way in the comic.
1: Yeah. It's amazing because when um I did a cover for Vanguard, which I was chuffed to bits to do, and um he sent me a bit of backstory on the characters and stuff I'm thinking, fucking hell. You know, my backstory when I'm planning it goes as far as do they have a beard or do they wear a hat? <laughs> You know, and he's like giving me. All, I'm thinking. I think I need a bit a bit more effort into fleshing out the characters before I start. You know, but I have quite a Gonzo approach to um, to creating. i I do this where I don't know how you approach a story and whether you script it all out. You know, start to finish. But but I don't do that. What I tend to do is um I've I'll, I'll, so I have me me overarching arc. I'll kind of know what I'm trying to say in the in the story, and I'll, I'll know the start bit. I'll kind of have the first page in my head and I'll kind of have the last page in my head and I'll have a couple of points in between that I want to get to. But I tend to create it often as I'm drawing it. Yeah. And and I was talking to Tony about this, saying like, you know, and it's it's kind of, you know, it's a bit risky because you can find that you've got three pages left and then like, shit, you know, <laughs> how am I going to tie this up? And, you know, and, and that actually happened with the first issue of Pre-Mortis with my story and the lies that bind where it was going to be a very different story but as i started feeling through it and enjoying the direction it was going in it was actually getting me quite um excited about you know moving on to the next set of panels and stuff so i thought actually i should go with this i should forget the fact that i tried the script and i should go with this feeling and um and it's it's kind of spun out a bit from that but that's my approach is i don't try and get Polished initially, and then sit, you know, um and have all the panels created and stuff. Like that. I just kind of work through it.
0: No, uh, I'm the I don't same. know how you do it. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have a clue how to do a comic strip. I tend to things like Jason Isaacs and the one I'm working on at the moment. I just tend to write it as like a monologue, and I'll right. occasionally put in bits of dialogue. So I tend to write it like a short piece of prose. Wow so because jason is particularly is it's the guy telling the story anyway so i could write it out in long form and then my second draft is when i draw it right kind of thing and then you know i work out what doesn't necessarily work from that when it goes onto page or i can change it or i can refine the lines or but actually that line's quite clunky but i can work it in here as a joke about how clunky that line was kind of thing yeah yeah and um that's i did it with that and then march the robots i was just doing it i knew the beginning and i knew where i wanted it to end and then just in the middle it was wherever it took me from day to day so i'd be yeah. like i'm fucking bored of being in this cave now so they get out <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah but it doesn't it, it it's really refreshing that though isn't it, I, I, What's I, it? I that's think the I beauty could, of
0: this is you know, that nobody's like i say nobody's expecting anything from you so you can experiment and if it works awesome and if it doesn't yeah. you've still yeah. done it and you can put it out there and it's up to people decide whether it works for them or not
1: well it's like it's like
0: my stuff at the moment.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm I'm doing a fucking science fiction wrestling comic.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, so
1: there's three things there that people go, oh, "Fucking you know, hell!" and roll their eyes. They roll their eyes at sci-fi. They roll their eyes at wrestling. They roll their eyes at comics. And, and like a mug, I'm putting it all together. <laughs> and do you know what? I'm doing it because because I've got I've got stories I want to tell in it, and I want to have a bit of fun with it, and you know, and I want to try and bring back some of that that fun feeling of of you know, that I get from those yeah. old-fashioned kind of plot lines that used to run through the WWF.
0: Yeah, that really comes across. I reread GGA 1 today ahead of this. Yeah. I was oh, cheers, that really man. comes across because yeah. it is that whole mean gene in the locker room. Yeah, And then, yeah. you know, Macho Man runs in and smacks the guy with the chair yeah. and the fight carries on out of the ring. I used to love that when they'd have a fight backstage and then he'd chase him into the ring and then the actual oh, match would so. start.
1: yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to do that, and I'm trying... In issue too. I mean, you know, not, not just to spoil anything for anybody who fucking read it, but, you know, you will, hopefully. Um, but, you know, it's like I'm trying to build in the other elements as well that I used to love about, you know, that may be a bit more I've learned since then, so there's, there's touching on a bit more of the corporate side of it, where, you know, they need more, you know. So essentially you know the the head of the corporation the gga which is this this peacekeeping force is now saying you know ratings are down merchandise is down you know we because of the the events that happened an issue one you know we're we're losing ratings here and you know i need something big to happen and it's it's kind of building on that that theme as well that you know at the end of the day there is a business element to it yeah and its entertainment and, and in GGA, obviously, the point is that it isn't just kind of like entertainment for the sake of it, that they settle disputes, you know, trade disputes or, you know, whatever it was. I mean, the first one switched on kind of slavery and this one's touching on. Kind That's of it. Like and that one panel
0: you've got in there is beautiful where it's like it's back to the slave pits for you, whatever it is. Yeah. And just the faces, you know, yeah.
1: and I want to try and just kind of get a bit of a bit of modern just to make people think about yes. There's something at stake here. You know, it's not just passing a belt round. You know, it's there's actually something genuinely at stake, and initially too. I'm trying to just build a bit more by saying actually, there's something else at stake here, which is, you know, the boss. Yeah, it's more. He wants it to go further, and that's 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 quite interesting at the moment. And I've kind of, I've got the final couple of pages laid out in in a very rough kind of um, thumbnail draft. But yes, yeah, so that that should be interesting. But now I'm glad you I'm glad you picked up on a lot of those themes, mate, right? because you know then they. I wrote it and I drew it and I lettered it and I coloured it and you know, like yourself, I did the whole bloody thing. And for me yeah. it makes sense. But when other people read it and go, Oh, you know, that reminds me of and that's and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to do, you know, that that interplay between like, you know, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, which is yeah. obviously, you know, and that, that kind of dialogue that I was worried that people would read that, going, What the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> you know, but that's the point. You know, some of the best Segments within that that era of wrestling were were the, I mean, you know, you watch Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan on the mic, and I I would say that there are no two better double acts in that that sport. They were just genius, yeah. you know. And it's trying to get that across to people that like, this is what it used to be like. You know, it used to be fun and yeah. And, so I'm glad, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I mean, we had some good feedback on it. So, but again, I look around at what other people are doing. I'm just thinking, fucking hell. you know. I don't want to put issue two out. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I didn't want to put issue one out. But then I'm proud of it as well. You know, I'm proud of whether it's in some person's eyes, it's a piece of shit, in other people's eyes, they love it. I've had some good feedback and people saying I've really enjoyed it. It brought back a lot of memories, and, and that's exactly it. You know, that's all I wanted to do.
0: Um, i mean my rule's always been if i can if it touches one person in any form even if they're just like i really enjoyed that yeah then that's what it set out to do that's it in it yeah and i mean you can ease you can easily get bogged down either comparing yourself to other people or focusing on any negative feedback you might get from anything but you've got to look at that sort of feedback as well as is it constructive or is it just somebody being a dick and yeah. if it's constructive then you weigh it up of like it, it's constructed, but does it fit with what I want to do? And if it doesn't, then does it hold any weight for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I got some, I mean, I did ask um, a couple of, about, strangely enough, I contacted Shane Oakley and I sent him an issue, I was talking about before, and I said, do you mind just casting your, your eye over it critically and giving me, you know, and he came back with some good good feedback. And, yeah, you know, and I think John McRae gave me a couple of pointers as well. And when, when these guys take the time to read something and feedback to you, And they know what they're talking about. You know, let's be fair. You take it on board and you don't take it as a, oh, that's fucking, that's a disaster. If you don't want the answer, don't ask the question. No, You know what I mean? And what they've told me, I'm trying to incorporate now into issue two. So issue two for me, I think, and again, I don't mean this way it's going to sound, but I think on a personal level, the art in issue two is way above what I did in issue one. Um, I feel like I'm spending more time on it. I'm colouring it better, you know, I've got I've spent a lot of time um learning how to colour things more effectively and stuff. So I'm 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 more and more pleased with it with, with the pages as they're coming out, you know, and I'm I'm trying to put more into them to
0: get more well, out of them. And that's the other exciting thing about small do press though, as a reader, is that you can watch the artist grow. It's like you look at early Vanguard to where Vanguard is. Now I know we keep using Vanguard as a point of reference, but it's one of the longest running small press comics that I can think of at the moment. Yeah. And, um, but you look at the early Vanguard compared to Vanguard now, and you can see how much Dan's learned and grown as yeah. an artist. And yeah. that's such a massively exciting thing. Yeah. And I kind of think, I mean, that's another problem with mainstream comics is that there doesn't seem to be any growth in the art. And, you know, fair no. play, you know, a Jim Lee has hit this point. And if, again, if you go back to 90s Jim Lee to Jim Lee now, you do see a progression. Yeah. But on yeah. the whole, in a Batman run, it's all very the same. Yeah. And and I it's find not, it it's to... not a bad thing, but at the same time, just from an artistic point of view, it's not as massively exciting to not see that growth in the art.
1: And I find it difficult to distinguish artists as well sometimes in the pro scene. You know, I do, yeah. I do you know, whereas, you know, I mean, even going back to the 80s, you know, you could tell a Neil Adams from a Jim Aparo, from a Gene Colon, from a Norm. Brave, but is it Brave Fogle? I always say yeah. his name wrong. It's terrible on me, I know. But you know, you could you, you could see the difference in the art style, and and Dred's another character where you know very different art styles. But everyone was bringing something unique. And now I pick books up, and you know a lot of the Marvel books, I I couldn't tell you one artist from another on a no. lot of them. They're all identical. Whereas small press, you never know what you're going to get. You you go to a table and you look at a small press you know collection of books and you can get anything and everything from yeah. naive approach which is you know equally as difficult to do as someone who will you know really really over and like you know i'm thinking of um you know battle badges, you know yeah. something like that where you look at that and you think jesus no wonder it takes him a year yeah to do a, an issue you know and and that's he's, he's puts everything in that and yeah, you and know, he's a if you've never read battle badges as well you should do because it's absolutely
0: i love battle badges and
1: and there's a lot of wrestling references in there we had a really good chat at your your gig actually when we were in um in troops you know we we had a really good chat about the the wrestling stuff and that and it's it's a wonderful book isn't it though it's just beautiful
0: i mean i love it i it was one that was always on my hit list but the trouble with running a con is you don't always get around all the tables yeah especially if they're sort of far into the event and because every time you try and get close you get pulled away to put a fire out, kind of thing yeah yeah so yeah. and then i heard him interviewed on the awesome pod and then i went to sarah harris did a thing in the incredible comic shop in swindon right. i was like i've specifically come to buy all of the issues of this so far because yeah. i love ninja turtles and although i don't i'm not so much of a fan of it now i love the old school wrestling stuff
1: mm.
0: so and I, I still hold an interest in it even if I don't rewatch it yeah. anymore kind of thing. Yeah. So it just ignites all those things that got me excited about comics yeah. as a kid. And, and that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm Less and less, my pool list gets smaller and smaller as I go back for the stuff that from when I used to collect, plug-in gaps. Yeah. So I'm more a nostalgia collector now. Yeah. And it's yeah. not a value collector, it's a nostalgia collector. Yeah, I'm
1: absolutely. not buying
0: old comics. That's the worst thing about trying to buy 90s comics is people think they're worth a shitload of money. It's like we went on holiday to Bournemouth and there was a shop that had a load of old Superman comics and by old I mean late 80s, early 90s. Mm. I was like, oh, I'm going to plug some gaps and then my wife's like, have you seen that they're £5 an issue? What? I was like, I was like fuck off, these are worth like 50p at most.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And I yeah. started pulling this big pile out and I just put them all down and we walked out. I was like, fuck off, me!"
1: Insane, is it? It's like, it's like it- just because it's 30 years old doesn't mean it's worth a lot of money. Yeah, and somebody's Googled probably one. Yeah. Super slabbed copy and seeing it's like five quid or six quid that's and all it. this. Issue of,
0: this first print of Man of steel number one's worth a fiver, so they're all worth a fiver.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing that again, just going back to the, the small press stuff though, is that you know the, the range of stuff you can get. I mean, you, you you know, you you talk about something like battle badges, um, and then you can you can walk next door and you've got Adam Phelp and his, his yeah. beautiful Kirby-esque, you know, and you just think, Jesus Christ. Why have well, that I Devil's Library? This? That you
0: did that's oh, one God. of the most exciting things I've seen in comics for a long time. Yeah, the mini comics in actually stapled oh, no. inside, so you read them as the character in the I was comic reads them. That.
1: I was like, how the fuck did you? And he was telling me the whole process. Yeah, because,
0: you know, order them, take them apart, staple them oh, in.
1: My God, but you know, you just see this stuff, don't you? And you just think there are so many people out there that deserve to be making a living out of what they do, and we don't. You know, no. No, I say we, and I mean we as a collective.
0: I, I think there's a few that do, and I think a lot of them probably. Everybody it that does it, I don't care who
1: you are. If you create a comic, you're in. Yeah, and you know what? If, if if there was any justice in the world, you 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 know, we'd be doing it full time because we genuinely love it. Yeah. And it's not a machine, and you know, it isn't just churned out because we've got a target to hit. We do it because we love it, and we put everything into it, and that's. To me, that's that's what will keep comics alive. Yes, yeah. that, that it'll become underground. You know, I think I, I think we're in for some tough times in the comic world. I really do, and I think you know, you, I think, you I think out... this
0: is going to thin the herd a little bit. I think, mm-hmm. as harsh as it is to say, I think in an ideal world, it will thin away some of the conventions because yeah. as as great as having a convention every weekend is, it's diluting it a little bit. Yeah, and you know, I'm not saying. You know, if we're one of the ones that falls, we're one of the ones that falls. It's not what I want, but,
1: but you, that's not going to happen, though, is it? Because, well, you know, let's be honest, I mean, it would only fall if you decided not to do it. Yeah, certainly I mean. wouldn't fall because people wouldn't want to come to it. No, you know, that's it.
0: So it's a,
1: it's a tremendous event. I'm not just saying that it really because there aren't many conventions, comic conventions that are genuinely comic conventions. No, because they've I mean... been
0: dropping away for the last few years anyway. Yeah. The actual comic focused ones. And I think it will thin out some of the small press creators that were in it because they were like, if we make a a comic, we can make a shitload of money. (laughs) Because there are a few people that do that. You see them, they're the ones that have got a grand arc for like a six-issue thing and then you buy issue one and you never see it again.
1: Yeah. Because
0: they don't realise how much work it is for so little money. Yeah. Because it's like I, I had a table at Thought Bubble. I've got no expectation that I will make that money back. I'll be lucky if I cover, like, you know, lunch. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's fine. I accept that because I'd much rather get my comics out to people and, you know, connect with a couple of people who are like, I really like that. It, it, it connected with me and I enjoyed it kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: Then selling out, making all my money back and being just people being like, you know, that was a bit shit.
1: <laughs> but you know what, mate? You'll enjoy yourself.
0: That's yes, that's the it. thing as well. You know, you it. enjoy it's yourself. It's the experience of being at a con. Yeah. That's what I love about doing Nottingham Is that's a long way to travel to not sell many books But I don't do it for that I do it for the experience of going yeah. To catch yeah. up with people, to watch people that I know and like Engaging with people Like I say, that's yeah. the great thing about tabling next to Andy Is that, you know, I'd never tell him to his face but... And he won't listen to this So it's fine But I get a genuine <laughs> excitement from watching him Engaging with people yeah, engaging, I know. engaging with him over his art Because I know. sat next to him in school When he used to scribble in his Spanish notebook Because, you know, fuck the Spanish. We were sitting there drawing all the time. And just having watched him from the age of like 13 up to where we are now, watch him grow as an artist. Yeah. Because I had to trick that fucker into having a table at True Believer's. (laughs) Because I I said to him, because I know he'd been gradually getting some stuff. And I was like, a week before, I was like, can you get some stuff printed to sell? Because I've had somebody drop out and I really don't want an empty table. And that table had been empty for ages. Right. I didn't tell him that. But because uh, between a few me, his wife, and his uh, one of our mutual friends, we've been trying to get him to have a table for years, and to finally start putting himself out there, kind of thing. And I was like, I really need you to do this, mate. It'd be a massive favour for me. I was like, you know, I won't charge you for the table, so you know, Brilliant. it's no harm, no foul, kind of thing. And he made a fucking fortune, the bastard. Yeah, yeah. He's made more out of troops than I have, not did actually from troops directly, but
1: did, did he cut you in at all? Did you have a Didn't
0: no, you? no, <sighs> nothing. Disgrace, <laughs>
1: isn't it? That's the other thing with comics. People are like bastards, aren't they? When they, you know, what I mean, it's I disgrace. know because he got a taste of big it. time. He
0: gets all that fair spark money now. yeah so. no, fair <laughs> play. You know what I mean? But but, again, but it's, it's genuinely just... exciting. Like I say, people it is... I've just met on the scene. It's like I get massively exciting when I watch, just like you know, you put a book out and the Kickstarter successful, or Tony with Atomic Hercules. Yeah. So there's a genuine thrill about watching genuinely nice people who've been genuinely supportive and said kind things about whatever it is I do, whether it's the con or the podcast or one of the comics I've done. I'm equally, if not more, excited when I see those people succeed as well.
1: Yeah. And, I, and know, when I, I think, see them
0: keep coming back, too.
1: And I think part of it as well is when people are genuine, that's the thing. Yeah. Right. So if you love everything, like, you know, I mean. Now, I've been saying oh, I love small press. There, there's some shit out there as well. Yeah. Both pro and small press. There is. And there's some stuff that, you know, you kind of think, yeah, you know, you, you listen to people talk about stuff and you think it's not that, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's good, but it's not that. And and there is some of that. Not a lot that I come across, but there is some of that. And I'm sure you see more of it than me given given what you do. But you're right. It's this this um it's this collective... It really is, and I keep saying it, and it's probably going to sound a bit twatty when I listen to it again, but it's this collective mentality that we're all trying to just tell our stories. And, you know, if 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 I see somebody makes some a massive fucking, like, Kickstarter campaign, you know, and they're, they're, like, 500% funded, I just think, fucking hell, good on you. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't sit there going, ooh, I've only done 140% or whatever. It's like you think, good on you. You know what I mean? And it, Because that shows that the appetite's out there for that's what we it. do. And, and you're not going to fail. Yeah. And once we start failing one by one, we'll all fail. That's the point, yeah. you know, because we, we need each other. And I, I saw this thing the other day about, you know, are we starting to just sell comics to each other? And to a degree, that's probably true. You know, the, the small press community probably does trade within itself quite a lot. Well, it does but massively. You know what? Even if I wasn't in it, I'd still buy and I still do now buy more self-published titles than I do mainstream. Yeah. And and that wouldn't stop if I finished tomorrow, you know, because I don't buy things and think, well, if I buy this, they're going to feel obliged to buy that. I don't give a fuck if people buy it or not. It's up to them, yeah. you know, um, but I'll support them. You know, it doesn't because I want to and because I'm genuinely interested in what they're doing. And I think that's the the, that's the big thing for me. And probably taking it back to the original question, why comics? And it's probably because it's probably one of the last the last mediums, creative mediums that you'll find where it is a genuine, genuine community. Yeah. You know, and everyone's welcome. Don't be a dick. Like my mum said, just be a nice person. Try and do right by people. Don't be a dick. Tell your story. And you know what? People will support you. And and I think if somebody else can show me another and let's call it a business, for the sake of, you know, terming it, if anyone else can show me a competitive business where people root for
0: each other as much
1: as this, then I'll be you know, I'll be shocked because I don't think one exists,
0: to be honest. Well no, that's it. I it's we're one of the few industries Again, for want of a better term, that does realise that the more one succeeds, the more we're gonna succeed. Yeah. As a whole, it's not just about because, like I say, you look at well, you've only got to look at the way retail's gone. Retail was so focused on like you know HMV crushing our price and whatever other record shop there was to the point where they're the last one there, so no fucker goes to buy from them that much anymore because you've not got the selection of if HMV haven't got it, I can go to our price. Yeah. Oh, shit, it's that much in our price. I'll go back and order it from HMV. I
1: used to work for our
0: price. I used to work for HMV. Fight! So. <laughs> 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 that's
1: bastard, if I'd have known that. Know, that, know. that could be a podcast as well. <laughs> like, bloody retail tales. But no, you're right. And you know, this, this thing about, you know, Marvel and DC, and you know, all people go, oh, DC looks like it's going to fold and Marvel are going to take over and all that. And you think that's the worst thing that could happen. Worst thing that could happen. Yeah. You know, you may not like DC, and you may say that you know, in your view, if you're a Marvel person, that DC's a lot of shit, and the films are shit, and all that. And you may say the other way if you're a DC fan, but you do not want to lose one of them at all.
0: No, because they've oh. got a symbiotic relationship, haven't yeah. they? It's... And it,
1: it's it's the Batman Joker. It's the you know, it's the kind of Xavier Magneto analogy, isn't it? One cannot exist without the other. No, so that's I genuinely it. believe that. Um, And and they used to play
0: up that friendly rivalry. I mean, I tend to find that the, oh, you like Marvel, you're a prick. Oh, you like DC, you don't understand things. is more from the movie crowd than the comics crowd. Oh, fucking, yeah. Particularly the old school comic crowd, because we always remember the days of the friendly sort of banter between DC and Marvel.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, that's what I like about some of those old school creators that I follow on Twitter and Facebook, and that is they've still got that sense of humour of like, you know, when somebody's like, you know... Why didn't they ever try, you know, where, who do I speak to to get this done at DC? And then they was, always reply with, like, take it to Marvel.
1: It was proper Sharks and Jets, wasn't it? It, yeah, was. Right? It, it was.
0: And it was in that sort of West Side Story Panto way as well. So yeah. like you could imagine them all, like, you know. Ta, 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 ta,
1: ta. It was, and again, it was a bit like wrestling. It was, a bit, yeah. it was the heel baby face kind of thing where, you know, publicly you're, you're sparring. And then, you know, behind the scenes, you're having a beer. And you're having a laugh because you're all doing the same shit. It's just with a different masthead, and it's that, it's that kind of thing. And and yeah, you're right. And people don't have that context either now. You know, you because the world now is you're either for me or you're against me. I mean, I saw an artist the other day getting called out, and it, this is a he's a he's a beautiful watercolourist, and he just minds his own business. Do you know what I mean? British artist, fantastic guy, lovely bloke. And he put a video on where he's feeding, he's, every day he feeds his two black Labrador's toast, right? And it's called toast time. And these two lovely dogs, they sit waiting and he gets these squares of toast and he, and people are going, oh, you know, this cheers me up. This, you know, everybody likes seeing a, a, an animal eat, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. things like that. And somebody came on and went, why haven't you said anything about the, uh, the protests around, you know, black lives, things like that? And he's like, um, well, that's not really. And then it went. It quickly went into this accusing him because he he hadn't made a public statement. He was basically supporting, you know, this kind of fascist rise. Yeah. And he's like, "Hang on, that's that's not, you know, that's not what I do on here." And I, was t- I read that. you've like, got
0: nothing to add to the conversation, up. it sounds disingenuous when everybody starts posting the same thing. Yeah. It's like you see all the companies across do it. And it's like you shouldn't have to declare publicly on a thing that you're against racism. No, no It should shouldn't. kind of be, you know, it goes without saying that yeah. we're against racism.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of the time you will find that the companies that, that do this do it because they don't, you know, and it's it's a bit like when somebody kind of tells you, I'm not a racist, but I'm not homophobic, but... And then they'll continue to be horrible.
0: And you're like, well,
1: you fucking are, aren't you? Because everything (laughs) you've said after the but has completely negated what you said before
0: the but, you know. You you at least need to be told that you may not think you're a racist, but here's the reasons why you are. And it started with that but.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, And now this poor guy was getting called out because he just not actually joined, you know, the, the the calls of disapproval when he didn't need to because, quite rightly, you know, there were already thousands of people doing it, so why did he have to join in and do it, which would have been completely out of context with his feed because you know, his feed isn't like that anyway. It's about his painting and his dogs. But this this person just started having a pop and I'm just thinking, this is the danger now, isn't it? That, you know, you if you say something, you're going to get absolutely, like, you know,
0: piled on.
1: listen well, if the you, worst thing say you do say something, something, you're going and to get word piled it badly.
0: On? <laughs> Yeah. You put something you know, out that's well-meaning and you word it badly. Oh, yeah. Or you put something out that because, let's face it, it's going to echo everything other people said. Then people are going to call you and be like, oh, you're just saying that because that's what they said. Yeah. And
1: yeah. it's like, and, and I'm, I'm sure people could take this conversation out of context now and say,
0: oh, you're saying that we shouldn't. And I'm
1: like, no, I'm not. You know, I deplore all that stuff.
0: Oh, I do. And if you've you know, genuinely got something to add to yeah. the conversation, then you should say something. But if yeah. you've got nothing to add, yeah. then you don't need to add anything. And I'm not saying that you should sit silently by and, you know, if you witness something, don't say anything about it. Yeah.
1: I cam- you know, you're right. And I, I've I've campaigned for things. You know, I was a counsellor and I campaigned against poverty and I campaigned for equal rights and I campaigned against racism. Did it for like six and a half years, you know. And and I've done it when I wasn't um in a kind of what they call a public office as it yeah way. you know i did it all my life you know i lived through the miners strike we were affected by it you know i fought for a living and i've watched my dad and my mum campaign for things and i was always brought up that you know nobody is better than anyone else no you're just you're, you're just a good person or you could be a shitty person and that's the difference that's and it. you know so I don't need to take on on a virtual soapbox and tell everyone. When actually, if I read the feed, there's probably a lot of people who said it a lot more eloquently than I could, and you're just echoing it, you know. But don't don't jump on a guy who hasn't said anything. But that's that's the worry. <laughs> again, thing about- what
0: what are you expecting him to say? <laughs> exactly. Other yeah. than either no, it's deplorable, because what are you hoping? Otherwise, he's going to turn around and be like, "Well, no, I." i'm all for the all lives matter thing yeah no it's like yeah. you either want to get him on that or you want to it's like, and why do you need him to tell you what his opinion is on it i know and it, it, it frustrates... if your whole thing is that i can't like you as an artist until i know where you stand on this it's like surely until you get confirmation one way or the other you would assume that they're a good person and would you would hope be the best. Yeah. on the side of
1: right yeah yeah absolutely mate. absolutely and, you know, and then we've seen some horror stories with the comic business, haven't we, in the last few yeah. days? You know, and, and you read that and you think, you know, my, you know, what on earth is... You know, and people coming out saying, I will no longer work with this person. And you're like, yeah, but this was reported five, six years ago. Yeah. Publicly, and you've continued working with them. So I'd kind of not really say anything if I were you. Because to take a stand now is a bit, you know, and you think, oh, my God. But everything is so black and white isn't it with people and that's not you know it's a terrible pun i suppose it comes
0: back to what we said earlier with i mean it's slightly different to this but with allowing people to grow as people yeah and which it's the problem with cancel culture in some cases fuck it yes these people deserve to be cancelled yeah kind of thing but in other cases we need you need to look at things in the context of the time they were said who that person is now yeah. whether they still believe that sort of thing if you know you call somebody out on a tweet they did 10 years ago and they're like yeah no i stand by it then fuck that person yeah <laughs> fair enough but if but then you can't apologize without it seeming disingenuous now yeah so you're kind of damned if you do down you know like i say if every i got in a position where <laughs> i was going to be a celebrity it'd be like just scrub everything i yeah. don't think i've ever said anything offensive or racist but just on the off chance just scrubbed a lot
1: well, it's all interpretation, though, isn't it, mate? You know, everyone can interpret, you know, like we were talking about before with your stories and stuff, and everyone can interpret things differently. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there will be, at some point, someone will pick up on something that, that you know, somebody said, and, and that's genuinely not what they meant. Um. But if you genuinely didn't mean it, you know, you will genuinely be able to explain that. If you did mean it, you're just trying to wheedle your way out of it. Yeah. And you still think that way and behave that way. You get everything you deserve. You know, I got no sympathy for people that, that peddle hate. You know, I never will. I no. And you know, and, and thankfully, you know, again, the community, the comics community, you know, I know there's a whole, you know, comics great stuff which we won't touch on, but you know, there's there's within within the, the kind of community that we're in, you know, you get you get none of that that I'm aware of. You know, either I'm a bit naive, but I don't pick up on it and I just see people who want to make Other people's lives that little bit better by providing some kind of entertainment. Yeah, Um, that's what
0: I love about like Bendis and Dan Dadio, and that is they're guys who are genuinely passionate about comics, and it really comes across in the things they put out. Yeah. Particularly Bendis. Because Bendis just seems to come on, put something positive into the world or a picture of like, you know, something from the archives, and then he goes. Yeah. And that's kind of what it should be. And like I say, um, Dan Dadio as well. A lot of people vilify him for, you know, the direction DC Comics went in. Some people think he deserved to get sacked. Some people think he didn't. Mm. But Dan DiDio is very much a comic collector and he loves comics. And yes, he has a business head because he's got to have a business head because, you know, when you are put in charge of DC, which is a big part of that whole Warner Brothers AOL delusion, you have to have a business head. Yeah, you but can't his, run it like a market stall, can you? Do you know? What at I mean? no he point has plan. his passion ever gone. He was he spearheaded that DC Nation magazine that you used to get free in comic shops that ran for about five or six issues.
1: Yeah,
0: and that was a fascinating thing because it had behind the scenes thing about what was going on at DC, and they'd do a little dip into the archives and they'd show you some sketch pages. And you know, it was mm. I'm not naive; it was a promotional tool to sell comics, but it sort of lifted the curtain a little bit. Yeah, and gave yeah. you a little bit of peek. And that's the shit I love. That's what's missing with, like, letter pages being gone from comics.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you
0: mean. That magic's gone. That's where small press comes in. Small press is like one big letters page.
1: That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And And I don't think there would be, but if there was anybody listening to this who hasn't dipped their toe into the small press world and picked up some of the things that we're talking about, you should do. Yeah. Because, you know... I mean, I saw a thing that somebody said, like, oh, what's there to look forward to in comics? And I think I wrote on, I went, um, all the stuff that small press creators are working away on and putting everything they've got into.
0: Yeah, I saw that it was on Awesome Tour, wasn't yeah, it? That's what that's what you've got to look forward to. Just
1: because, you know, your latest issue of fucking whatever X titles they've got going now or whatever isn't going to be out, doesn't mean that the comics world is dead. It just means that maybe you can look at something else and, hey, you never know, you might actually quite like it, you know.
0: <laughs> well, I say, um, that's what I put on it, is that the most exciting thing about comics at the moment is rediscovering that lost love. Yeah. And discovering that new love as well. Yeah. And, you know, carrying on with that thing that you did love as well. Absolutely. It's, just, it's limitless possibilities. I mean... I think we sort of both answered why comics now. (laughs) Yeah, I think we did.
1: I think we gave, I think within split seconds, we gave the both kind of the same answer and, and
0: yeah, it's one of the things, like say, when cons start up again, I wholeheartedly recommend people with even a passing interest. Just go and check out. It's the only sort of thing you can go to where you're going to find horror, comedy, action, superheroes, all that stuff in one thing in a way you've never seen it before. Yeah. Yeah. And you're supporting people, who, you know, are
1: giving up their free time to do this because they you know, love it. Because <laughs> most of us work full time, you know. I mean, you you work, you know, you you work for the post office, I and mean, you got some crazy hours, don't you? I work like you know, kind of in you know, people, um, in a people, resourcing role and stuff. And you know, we work full time, we work long hours, and we still come home and we don't sit down in front of Netflix and chill, as they say. You know, you you have your tea, and then you you're up at the drawing board again. You know, that's it. It's and you do it because you love it. And that's the point. And that's you it. hope someone else will love it or at least like it. <laughs> you that's know,
0: it. I mean? like I say, it's just that small connection. Even if it's just one or two people, yeah, that's what we live for. It's that one tweet of like, rich comic really enjoyed it." Yeah. So there cool. you
1: go. So why comics? Because it's it's just once it's in you under your skin it never leaves you, exactly. you know?
0: it's like a tattoo
1: <laughs> <laughs> which no. makes me then think of uh, Fantasy Island <laughs> which then makes me think of Nick Nack in, in Man with the Golden Gun you
0: know? uh, <laughs>
1: which then brings me on like controversial point that, that on A Majesty's Secret Service is one of the greatest Bond films ever made but that's for yeah. another time I
0: you know? <laughs> uh, see, I might have to get you on Y Comics we're doing a Bond... Uh, not Why Comics, um, and why not? We're doing a Bond one soon.
1: Yeah.
0: As part of the movie fights.
1: I will so, argue Lazenby all day long. All day long.
0: See, I've always rooted for the Underdog. Dalton's my favourite. Oh, I see. So, but... which <sighs> Breathe, Dame. Breathe. <laughs> you know that thing we talked about, about taking
1: yourself too seriously? Dalton's Bond. No, over. if
0: you want to see Dalton's Bond done too seriously, it's Daniel Craig. But. Right, I like right. Daniel Craig. I love all the bonds for different reasons, but
1: yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah, that's once that episode's done, then we can.
1: <laughs> we'll never we'll see. Yeah, again. No, we'll,
0: we'll, def- <laughs> we'll definitely have to do On a Majesty Secret Service because I love On a Majesty Secret Service. I so that's yeah. a date. So until then, then, where can people find you online? Art92, uh, Omen to that, all of that sort of thing.
1: Okay, so. Um... Website is art92.com. All the socials are art92 because obviously um as I've said previously, you know, we had to keep the same name for things because you know if you have too many handles, I mean at our age, look if you remember to put your pants on in the morning, you know what, <laughs> what I mean? Um and from there you can find our individual links. So there's my links to to my work individually and also links to H's work individually as well, because we are a, a partnership in this. Um, all men to that is available on Podbean, uh, Spotify, I think you know, Apple podcasts, yeah. the usual if you search for it. Um, and there's also a link off the, the Art92 page as well.
0: It's a um, great podcast as well. I recommend anybody checks it out.
1: Oh, thank you. I mean, we've got some good, good guests lined up. I believe we've got, um, we've got a really interesting show coming up about the art of the con, which would be the art of, of conventions, which I, oh, I bet some... you've got one
0: really good guy and one prick on that. I well,
1: I, I, I was going to, <laughs> but I couldn't get the good guy. So I had to go for, for two pricks, unfortunately. Uh, but, it, but no, it's going to be as great. As long as neither of so, them
0: loves Timothy Dalton's James Bond.
1: Then. I'm really <laughs> looking forward to that. That'll, that'll be an insight. And, the, and the, the whole Art of series is looking at, you know, it's all centred kind of around comics and, and the creative world. And we throw the odd wrestling podcast in there as well. But it's just a bit of fun. You know, I don't claim yeah. to be any of it um it's just generally three people just chatting about stuff and some questions that people may be interested in in knowing how the things work and people and, know
0: their stuff as well but say uh, the film posters one as well because i'm a massive film fan and i love film posters so that yeah. was a great episode
1: yeah i mean the guests obviously you know apart from tonight um the guests make the show don't they and um you know i've been looking i've got some good guests lined up as well i've got um Got a really um, interesting one about the art of comic covers, which uh, Ryan Brown's going to come on and nice. actually talk about because you know he's obviously one of the greatest modern cover artists we've got at the moment. You know the guy's amazing. Um, I have got a few more lined up as well. I'm looking forward to. So yeah, it should be good fun. But yeah, it's just a bit of fun, nothing serious. You know, it's, it's just uh well, give it I, a listen. I learned
0: something about a film poster that I've been staring at for years that I'd never yes. realized so I, I won't say because i don't want to spoil it but because when when that was hinted at i was like i bet i fucking know it because and i was like no i don't <laughs> yeah no I And mean, we, i mean genuinely we're all like fuck
1: you know and the fact that we've all seen this poster because it's very famous yeah at huge scale and still never seen it <laughs> and you're like fuck. but it just shows that thing about you know how you don't you don't always see what's actually in front of you
0: yeah um but yeah, well, I yeah,
1: no, so. yeah, but appreciate appreciate the kind words on it. You know, we just like I say, don't claim to be any good at these things, but hey, if someone enjoys it, then a bit like comics, then you know, good stuff. I've been um, doing
0: podcasts for five years and I've never been any good at it, so yeah.
1: The other <laughs> just thing just we've got, is, you know, just so you know, is we've got a YouTube channel where H is putting a series of, of uh, how to draw um, videos on there for people. Um, so she teaches you how to draw dogs, cats, things like that. Um, They're superb had... as well. Yeah, oh, thank you. You know, she's she, she's great at them, and you know, and, and we've had a lot of people have been using them for homeschooling actually for the kids because they've got to draw art projects. So um, yeah, so check it out. You know, we've got a shop on there, and you know, if you feel free, check check that out. We've still got GGA two on the Kickstarter at the moment. Um, yeah, that's
0: till the twenty third and one p.m. on the twenty third of July. I wrote it down. Oh, thank that's when you. it ends. So.
1: so if you've if you're not dip your toes into sci fi wrestling, then then you know, give it a go. We've got bundle offers on there and stuff. So we try and keep the prices as cheap as yeah, we Yeah, it's a
0: great price as well. Um,
1: it's not Well, you know, let's be honest, mate. You know, you've just got to try and make enough money to cover the cost and help pay towards the next one, don't you? So that's all we do. Um but it's been funded, so if you jump on board, and you're gonna get your stuff. That's one good thing. Yeah. Um but yeah. Other than that, that's that's me pretty much. Awesome.
0: Well, cheers for that, man. I really enjoyed it. No, thank you. And uh, apologies if we went a bit bit off on tangents a bit. No, I love a tangent. Angry from all the
1: shot at times, but you know (laughs) what I mean. But sometimes you just got to talk about shit. And I think you know it's been good that we've had a little bit of a chat about stuff other than comics and about what's going on because you know you can get frightened of saying anything and. It doesn't mean you've got to preach at people, but it means that, you know, you. sometimes you've got to remind people to just, you know, take a fucking breath, you What's
0: know. It? And These people are people too.
1: <laughs> and, you know, let's all just try and, you know, make things better if we can.
0: That's it. That's the only way the world is going to get better is if we all try and make it. And not the same hippy-dippy, lovey-dovey shit, but no, it's, true. it's the only way we're going to make it better. Absolutely. So that's why... Absolutely. Small press community is thriving so much yeah. because we're all trying to make it better for each other. Buy small press. Exactly.
1: Buy small oh. press.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like they live in audio form.
1: Yeah. Obey. No way. Consume.
0: <laughs> oh, no, brilliant. No, thanks for having awesome. me on, mate. Appreciate no, it. No, cheers sorry, for coming on. I really on it. a bit. That's um, nah, cool. Free to okay. edit it to pieces. <laughs> nah, I'm not editing this. <laughs> brilliant. Awesome. Cheers, man.
1: Okay, mate. See ya.